0: In 2019, a ragtag group of internet wrestling fans came together to record some silly shit. They survive now on cocktails as soldiers of hilarity. If you can find them and you can get their schedules together, you can listen to The A
1: Team. All right,
0: ladies and gentlemen, it is once again time for the Rogue Opinions podcast, and uh, we are here to update you on the grapples one more time. I am Jimmy Baxter, joined as always by Mr. Scott McLeod. Scott, how the hell are you?
1: I'm cool. I'm good. You know, here in Glasgow, but I took the long way to get here for North Carolina.
0: It's quite the flight. It's
1: quite yeah. the flight.
0: Um, yeah. So it's been been a uh, a little short uh interlude in between grapple updates but so many things are going on so many things are happening uh things were coming in before we got on uh the air so to speak would you say that uh it's been a bit of a flood of sort of rumors and news and sh- and stuff all day
1: yeah yeah I, I said to you before we uh the other day that like it's not even been 2 weeks since our last episode and yet you you could swear it was like a month with everything that's happened
0: well, it is that time of the year, you know, beginning of the year, everyone's starting to ramp things up and announce things. Uh, uh, we'll get to some of the uh, announcements uh, from AEW this week. Uh, I- impact Wrestling announced a match for their next pay-per-view. Was it No Surrender?
1: Yeah, well, technically yeah. an Impact uh, like, Plus Special, so yeah, but like it's treated like a pay-per-view. So. All
0: right, um... Short little news item here uh, that uh, reported on by uh, PW Guru earlier in the day. I sent you this earlier. Is a uh, uh, NBC Sports Network has announced today that they will be shutting down at the end of 2021. NASCAR and NHL will be moving to the USA Network. Uh, NHL will be playing a lot of games every Wednesday night. Seems like it might be uh, time for NXT to move, either network or nights. Um, I am cynical. So I like to believe that because WWE is going to want to stay on Wednesday nights to fight Dynamite, they're probably going to just try and find a new network. But I don't know what the extent of their deal is with USA. So what do you think is more uh, plausible to happen?
1: I think it's a little early to, to really tell. I know I uh, a feeling that they chose USA for a reason because it also is the same network as Raw. So they can kind of co-promote it, like put adverts for NXT on during Ross, so that mainly main roster casual fans uh, can get better, like, view of NXT. And uh, I do remember, like, when they did the two, uh, like, Super Tuesdays or whatever they called them, They when they were doing, like, the Iron Man match and that, and they did, like, really good ratings because they went against AEW, there was, like, rumours that people behind the scenes were specifically imploring Vince to keep it on a different night because of, like, how good the ratings were, beat were when they went against AEW. And allegedly, Vince was like, well, what the hell did we put it on TV for? So I think at the moment it seems like Vince is pretty adamant on keeping it on Wednesday nights. I think it would be weird for fans as well, because even before this, it's always been a really a Wednesday night show. So it's it'd be weird if we see them on any other night. But as for another network, I don't know really, really, really got I think they want to keep it on a network that they've already got to deal with. So if they're going to move anywhere, then they'd probably move either to Fox or, or realistically, FS1 and I think with, like, backstage and that, and when SmackDown moves to FS1, uh, I don't think, like, FS1 provides them the biggest audience. Uh,
0: no, yeah, F- FS1, I think, is definitely in significantly less households. Uh, Fox is just a network. it's You can get it any anywhere, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that that's definitely something they would look into. I think that maybe it's going to stay on the... Uh, see, it's hard to tell early on. You know, like, we don't, you don't know because we got the whole, they got the whole year to sort of figure it out. Is it going to maybe move to, like, a different time Uh, depending on when the games are, you know, or is it just going to do, like, whenever there isn't a game, they'll be on USA, and whenever it is, it'll just be on the network? Maybe? I don't know.
1: Yeah, like, because AEW's been like, had to, like, switch to, like, doing a late-night version. member at uh, one week, when uh, they got preempted because of a uh some sort of sporting event or they had to do a Saturday, you know. But, you know, I think if it's like NHL or whatever it is, that potentially being the same night as them, it's a good enough reason to, like, you know, switch nights. Unlike, like, a recent Raw that I, before a SmackDown, I'm about to cover on the retro SmackDown where they had to start later because uh, the Westminster Dog Show went was on, so RAW had to move to a later time slot.
0: <laughs> the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Ah, uh, my God! I would hate when I didn't realize that they were going to be preempted, and I'd turn and turn on Raw or what I thought was going to be Raw on a Monday night, and you just see some fucking dogs like prancing around. Uh, it was the most. Yeah. It was the first time I experienced heartbreak in my life.
1: I remember, like, obviously, this means that uh, Jerry Waller had to make up puppies. to like, oh, they'd rather see WF puppies than these puppies, and i was saying, like, well, I don't really appreciate some of Jerry Lawler's comments like this half the time. It would be re- actually given the situation. I'd actually be more confused if he didn't make a puppy's joke.
0: Yeah, I think that we would have to have worried about his uh, his condition far earlier on than we did (laughs) uh, if he didn't make those kinds of jokes. Um, (laughs) uh, Also, well, I mean, you know, early times, I guess we're gonna have to see what comes down the pipe for um, NXT moving forward, uh, because they got until the end of the year to sort of figure it out. And let's see what happens. Uh also in the news, uh you sent me this uh earlier as well that the Wrestling Observer reported that WWE is currently considering Daniel Bryan or Shinsuke Nakamura as Roman Reigns' opponent at the uh next upcoming WrestleMania. Um what do you what for, let, let, let's start over with you. What do you think is going to be the outcome and what do you want to be the outcome and whether or not those two are different two totally different things?
1: Hey, they are two kind of different things. I think Daniel Bryan is going to be the one that, that does win it. Uh, because they have made a point uh, on the most recent SmackDown before his match with Cesaro that you know he's doing a lot of training because you know Daniel Bryan's never won a, a Royal Rumble in his career, he's never won a Battle Royal either. They claimed yeah, I don't know if that's really true, but I don't can't be arse looking it up. But also they've been high interesting the fact that he's never won a Rumble. when of think things, one of the few things he's never done in his career, which sometimes is like uh, a choreograph saying that that's what's going to happen. But I think the story of Nakamura suddenly coming back into relevancy. Well, not relevancy, but finally being put back in the spot he should be in, uh, kind of a la Coffee a couple of years ago. And then going that run to me, especially given that any storyline involving Roman as a client of Paul Heyman means Paul Heyman is involved in the creative, which means over the next couple of months, it could be like the best story they've, they've told with Nakamura and I include the NXT run in that. So... I, I like the idea of Brian because he got the history with Roman from back in 2015 but I think the possibility of Nakamura finally like getting what he the treatment he should have like back when he won the rumble originally uh, I, don't, I don't even think Nakamura and either of them have to win the rumble to get that position
0: Yeah I mean it'll be interesting to see um which way they go with it um I I actually think the opposite uh, I really want Daniel Bryan um, to do because there's like a long, I don't know, five plus year sort of story between those two. And uh, obviously, Brian has been on uh, doing stuff with creative now for a little while. And he's uh, I've heard he's been like pushing for Nakamura a little bit more. And the way Nakamura has been wrestling uh, a, like a lot more like it's a lot more entertaining as of late, mm-hmm. like from the gauntlet. Uh, to uh, the match that he had last week which I'm blanking on. But I think the com- the combination of Brian pushing for him and uh, Heyman being a part of the Roman Reigns stuff, um, I think that it will be Nakamura, but I would rather it be Brian. But honestly if Nakamura keeps up the way that he's been uh, going, then I could I, I would be I would definitely get behind it. And Nakamura being a two time Rumble winner is like a cool stat for him. Um, but mm. I would, I could even see maybe that the men's rumble even they're in the final four, like Nakamura and Bryan, and then whomever else and whomever else, and then maybe it even comes down to Nakamura and Bryan, uh, and maybe even a third, and then one of them gets eliminated, and then the other one eliminates the person that eliminated the other person. If that makes any sense whatsoever.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I think also like the main reason I said like neither of them has to really win the rumble. I already get it because like there's also the rumour that Keith Lee will be in the WWE title picture, and I think the idea of him winning the Rumble is quite intriguing as well. But also, given like the storyline they've already set up with Nakamura that Roman screwed him out of the opportunity of the Rumble, and also that long history going back to 2015 with Brian, they can set that up without a Rumble win. And like a lead, according to Peter Winsider, insider, I don't think it's been confirmed by WWE, but apparently we're getting both Chamber and Fastlane before Mania this year. And so, like, the idea of Brian v. Nakamura maybe headlining either of those shows, or maybe they have like, a chamber match to say Roman's opponent and it comes down to Brian and Nakamura as the final two. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd enjoy that. For sure. I mean, the last. It, it makes those pay per views actually worth tuning into.
0: I mean, I've liked the chamber matches. I like specifically the chamber matches from Elimination Chamber the last few years, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the Kofi one. Uh, the yeah. one with uh, well, the one that Bray won the title in a few years ago and stuff I think that they've sort of been hitting the chamber matches kind of like better since the redesign so like I'm down with them either winning the rumble or going through the chamber to get to uh, Roman which I think either is possible
1: yeah, if, uh, if if Nacobar doesn't win the rumble and it's Brian that goes on to face Roman uh, I believe tonight on Saturday because we're recording this Friday night I believe tonight Apollo Cruz is getting a rematch with Big E and after like the same where he was sitting in the same locker room as a uh, Roman and Taman on last week's SmackDown, I think somehow Juice Uso or the Bloodline are gonna get involved and help Apollo win the IC title and he's gonna be part of that group. I like the idea of maybe with heel Apollo built to Nakamura versus Apollo for the IC belt, and maybe Nakamura can actually have a worthwhile reign as I C champ and not whatever his original reign was when he was when he had Sami Zayn as his manager.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and he got the uh, he got his music back, right, uh, Nakamura? Yeah.
1: yeah, he's got his face music back.
0: Oh, that's. I mean, it's interesting that they would just do it. You know what I mean?
1: Like, You see Shelton Benjamin's tweet?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me my music <laughs> back now, too. Honestly, yeah. uh, that's that's the music I miss the most right now, of the people who were around who had old music and stuff like yeah. Shelton Benjamin's. Uh, Was it, you can't stop me No!
1: Especially because, like, remember when he had that, like, promo vignette hyping him up in 2016, but then he got delayed a year because he got injured. Like, in that original vignette, they play his old music in it, and then they bring him back with this crap music they had with Gable, and then for some reason, he got, he had to keep that music until he joined the Hurt Business.
0: I mean, I get that maybe he doesn't have it because he's in the Hurt Business now, but I think once that sort of, like, breaks up a little bit, I would love to hear Shelton's old music again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean the Big E thing has been interesting I think that they've been they've been building on that well Um, I hope that Big E holds the title for a while though I hope that they don't like sort of make him lose it early you know I mean unless they have him win in the Rumble then fucking whatever
1: yeah I mean I was I'm was kind of like I messaged some people like from ESR about it and I was like oh I'm kind of worried he's going to say because I'd like the idea of Apollo like winning because it would give Apollo some more like it make him more interest but I, I don't like the idea of I, Big East title being in so soon, and then one well, the of point' really, maybe they'll have him drop it so he can figure up to do with the rumble. But like I think you can still have him win it as IC champ, but then as part of if you'd have a uh, Roman Costum against somebody like how like JBL the Orlando Jordan beat Cena for the US belt.
0: That could uh that could be that could be very interesting. So I mean, again, we're gonna have to uh sort of. Wait and see what. The, again, they did it again. They made Rumble season have enough interesting things, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's real strange because like people talk about the predictability of the Rumble the last five or so years, and like and like I, because of that, I'm used to having an idea in my head of who I think will win the Rumble. This year, I have no idea who's going to win either Rumble. I have an idea who I'd like to win it, but even then, I'm not certain about it because like I'd like to see Rhea Ripley... Like win the Women's Rumble, but then also it looks like Bailey could win it. So this unpredictability is just confusing to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not used to things, uh, not being uh, telegraphed and just sort of like mm. told to me months in advance.
1: Yeah. So. Uh,
0: but yeah, so that that's a couple of the news items. Uh, but we do have plenty more to talk about here on the Grapple Update. Uh, thanks again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to start with Impact Wrestling. Believe it or not, we. Uh, I like to make a yearly sort of appearance, uh, watching uh, Impact Impact Wrestling. Usually, I decide to do with uh, Slam Anniversary, but because uh, the world, the light of the world, is so, uh, starting to shine on Impact Wrestling again, uh, and they had a big time main event planned for the pay per view, I knew that I had to check it out. This was hard to kill. Uh, from where do they film? Where does Impact film now? Is it Nashville or is it Dallas?
1: No, uh, Nashville. Uh uh Skyway Studios is the name of the place where they where they do most of their tapings.
0: Yes. So we were at uh Skyway Studios and uh they had the uh piped in crowd noise, which oh it helped so much. It helped so so really? much.
1: <laughs> I, will, I remember uh my my friend Paul, my co-host on Paul's Round podcast. Me and him were talking about it and we're gonna be doing a podcast about Article and everything going on and, and impacts in a couple of weeks. We've got other stuff we want to do first, but I was talking to him about it, and he said he, like, he thought it really helped the crowd, especially given like they had had such a big main event that they needed noise for. To Be honest with you, I found it very off-putting because like I get at the Thunderdome, and people like don't like the crowd noise being piped in. And I've heard reports that even some of the wrestlers don't like it getting piped in. But like, at least you can actually see people when you hear the noise. But hearing this crowd noise, but seeing nobody uh, around ringside or even on the screen was very off-putting to me. Like, it took me a couple of matches to actually get used to it.
0: What do you think is more off-putting? The uh, piped-in crowd noise when there are people, like, on NXT and they're, like, on their phones and they're just, like, s- like, standing there as you're hearing, like, chanting? Or is it you hear the noise but you don't see anybody, on like, on Impact?
1: I think not seeing anybody further points out just how fake the noise is. So... Uh, think i think that's more often but like see, just seeing people gives me a bit of benefit, uh, but let me buy into it at least that maybe these people are this excited even though they probably aren't <laughs> still real to me damn it
0: <laughs> um well hey listen it's uh it's a good time to be a wrestling fan because uh with shows with all these shows going on all the time it is uh it's easy to get uh excited for things and i was i had a little bit of excitement going into uh Hard to Kill, not only for the main event, but I wanted to see um, the, I think it was the old school rules match. I was looking forward to that. And I unfortunately got my hopes up for Karate Man versus Ethan Page, but we will get into that Uh, because Papa's got a lot to say, (laughs) got a lot to say. Um, Like I watched Velocipaster and loved every goddamn second of it. And this was (laughs) anyway, anyway, we'll get, we'll get to it. Uh, The pre-show. Did you watch the pre-show at all?
1: I uh, meant to because I was actually looking for interested to see what uh, Brian Myers versus uh, Josh Alexander was going to be like but I didn't get a chance to, to see it but uh, I like Josh Alexander and now that he's tied part and he's has pages left I'm hoping for like a big singles push for him because like the like, they casually mentioned just that, like they were teasing the dissension of uh, the North that they had a commentary based on about how pound for pound like Josh Alexander might be one of the most talented guys we've got and I thought like that's either line or their plant the seeds for like Betty, soon we're going to do something with this guy.
0: Well, I hope they do because uh, Josh Alexander. Like I haven't seen too too much of his stuff, but uh, I watched a match he a couple of matches he had at the Collective uh, like middle of last year, and he wrestled Layla Hirsch in one match that was fantastic. And um, excuse me, he was in um, I think he was in a Bloodsport match as well. Um, And I I think the guy's a, a beast. I think the guy's an absolute. Uh, just monster, and I think I hope that he comes up and maybe he gets like the uh, X Division Championship uh, soon, sooner rather than later. Because I think this guy's like a really fantastic wrestler, and he's also not a bad promo. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he does when he's not with Ethan Page, because the North is great; everyone knows that, um, and of course. Brian Myers is, you know, very well established and he got the win over Josh Alexander here in about 11 minutes. I also did not see the match, so I am just moving on. <laughs> yeah. uh, the proper pay-per-view, the uh, first match of the show was decay, Rosemary and crazy Steve uh, taking on to Dashwood and Caleb with the K, which i um, honestly gonna, gonna say don't have a lot of uh, experience watching Caleb with K matches, but uh, I adore him. I think he's hysterical. Um, and, uh, I was, uh, I, I was upset to see that they lost here to decay. Cause I know Rosemary and crazy Steve, uh, a little bit more than I know Caleb with a K and obviously Tennille Dashwood was Emma back in the NXT days. Uh, but, uh, I like this match, uh, a lot. I think it was a very interesting intergender tag match. Um, decay. I think it was the right move for decay to get the win. Cause, uh, Tennille and Caleb, uh, maybe weren't as, cohesive at some points for me, but uh, yeah, uh, I thought this match was pretty good. It came in just under nine minutes. Uh, what did you think, Steve? Uh Scott. Sorry. Steve. Steve. Yeah, Steve. So, what did you think of this match, Steve?
1: <laughs> well, Jason, uh, <laughs> I, for I, was like, I can't think of any other... I was going to call you James. I thought, like, it's the same thing as Jimmy. But, <laughs> yes, it is. But I, I like Kielbuki and, and Tennille's kind of partnership. Uh, because like they are basically the embodiment of the kind of people that still prevent me from having an Instagram, uh, and they've used that as a really good heat magnet. Uh, I like kill, Wickey, otherwise known as Caleb Conley, I believe. Uh, I said to Paul when we talked about these, this gimmick that I like about him that he's, he is a wrestler, but his gimmick should not make him be a good wrestler given he's meant to be a photographer. So it's, it's nice when you can see someone who's a good wrestler pretend that they can't wrestle because he's had a, only a few matches, mostly teaming with Tennille. Like, he and Tennille fought Alicia and Eddie Edwards last month's uh, final resolution. And there was a moment where it looked like Eddie Edwards was going to hit Tennille, and Kiel did a giant, like, Homer Simpson, yes, no! And just dies <laughs> in front of her. But Eddie doesn't do anything, so he just flopped on the mat, and everyone just looked at him and like, this guy's fucking serious? Uh, and it was nice to see Decay back together, Uh I do believe, I don't want to shatter the illusion of everybody, even though I just said it still real to me down. but from what I've heard, Caleb is actually the person currently playing Suicide. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: I, I, I described uh, Suicide to Paul recently as either the Doctor Who or James Bond or wrestling, given that so many different people have played him over the years. You just like, gets swapped out for different people. But... It was a decent opening match, I don't have much to say about it because I'm still getting used to the piped in crowd noise but uh, I do like the idea that uh, they try to use the hairspray but that came back to bite him and then the faces did the, the, the mist stuff and I think actually, given Rosemary's gimmick I think the idea of the mist is good for her and it's still impressive to see the way Crazy Steve wrestles given that he came out recently and said that he's legally blind so the way that he's able to like put matches together you, like, you would never know
0: Wow, that is very that is impressive. Good for uh, good for Crazy Steve that he's able to uh, still perform like that and uh, you know deal with that uh, that disability. Mm-hmm.
1: He's one of the Paul's favorite guys at the moment.
0: I love the name. Love the name. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a good match all around. So we move on to the second match: Violent by Design, uh, Eric Young, Diener, and Joe Doring taking on uh, cousin Jake Rhino and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, violent, uh, violent by design. Uh, words are hard for some reason. Would get the win in just under ten minutes. Um, this this was pretty. This was pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, it was. That's the way I felt about a lot of the show. Is that like none of it was awful, but it was very. It was good. It was like good, but it wasn't great. Um, yeah. and I did laugh a lot at the Diener compound. And the mm-hmm. name Diener the entire time. Um, <laughs> it just made me laugh the entire time. Uh, good to see Eric Young here, though, doing well. Uh, Joe Doring is a big, strong, balding monster <laughs> man. And he was he was impressive here. Rhino still able to do stuff. Cousin Jake, uh, not too familiar with him, but it was good to see him. And Tommy Dreamer was able to uh, get out from catering and join us. Um... <laughs> Uh, I love Tommy Dreamer, too. He's, he's wrestled for Pro Wrestling Magic. He's a great guy. Uh, but uh, they, I think everyone did uh, pretty well on this, this uh, this being the better of the two uh, sort of uh, hardcore, street fighty type of matches that were on here. But um, I've droned on long enough. What did you think of uh, the old-school rules six-man tag team match?
1: In regards to your, your thoughts on the card, I'm not entirely dissimilar to your thoughts, uh, given that i, I watch and Impact at always try to on at least a weekly basis. I, I liked some this match. this card had a lot of potential. Like when you looked at it from top to bottom. And the matches that did deliver, like really delivered. But the matches that didn't still weren't that bad. I wouldn't say they were terrible. Like yeah, this match I thought it was okay, but I thought given that there's really, like, probably a limit to the amount of violence they can go given that they've got a match later on that has the word massacre in it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which was like it was kind of a double edge sword given that they've got one team called Violent by Design. And they promised violence, and you've got Tommy Dreamer and Rhino from ECW, and they expect a certain amount of violence when you see those guys. And yeah, Joe Doring, you know, from what I heard about him, he's apparently a legend in All Japan. He's apparently only one of a handful of guys to be that isn't Japanese to win the All Japan all Japan Triple Crown title. And I thought to myself, but this partnership we I we get him. Up if you're I would just mention All Japan. he's held, he's held the same titles, Doctor Death, and Buddy JR will have a Massive erection. You won't need to lose <laughs> Just Just the word Steve Williams, that'll, I guess I'm a little bit aroused. But, I just, for hear, the, the just mass- hear a loud thud on the table. <laughs> <Fuck it's>, off. <laughs> the dinner thing is, oh, oh, Paul nearly cried when the Deaners broke up. When when Cody and uh, and Cousin Jake broke up, because Cody joined, uh, joined Eric Young. he did these really cool vignettes of like, uh, Cody Deaner in a prison, and uh, like him being basically brainwashed by Joe Doring and Eric Young, then when he finally the first impact of 2020 when he showed up with the new shaven head look, which I think is really a kind of a cool look for him. Uh, uh, I, I, I thought the match was okay. There were a few months, especially with Joe Doring, is concerned that like one or two people were kind of standing around waiting for their bit, or waiting to, or somebody was waiting for another person to turn around so that they could do their bit. Uh, And also given the fact that it seems that every time Tommy Dreamer wrestles, it's an old-school rules match. So to me, an old-school rules match doesn't feel too special anymore. Or I'm just kind of sick of seeing Tommy Dreamer in weapons-based matches that is one of the things like, it was okay but by design won, which is probably the right idea and probably they're going to just keep this going until they eventually get the Jake, uh, the cousin Jake versus Diener one-on-one match because the storyline that does is only just before this pay-per-view that because Jake was finally willing to actually hit Dina, he was still trying to reason with him and bring him back from buying this brainwashing. But he's, he's too far gone. Uh, but yeah, the match was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the uh, the the finish was just sort of like, oh, okay. So the bad, like, I didn't, I wasn't sort of like, oh, I see what you guys are doing here. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's. That's enough to say about the second match. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, next up, the newly named, newly minted Fire and Flava, Kira Hogan and Tasa uh took on Havoc and Nevaeh, uh tournament final for the uh, Knockouts Tag Team Championships. Uh, went about... 8 minutes and 40 seconds, according to uh, Wikipedia. That's right, Wikipedia. Uh, and in the end, Fire and Flava were able to get the win and become the brand new Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Uh, I really like this match. Uh, I thought that both teams sort of really brought it. And when you get like two, you know, bigger uh, opponents in there, two big heels versus like a smaller team of uh, like, you know, Fast, flippy, quick strikes uh team. Uh, I also like the gear on Fire and Flavor. I thought that they looked uh especially like they stood out a little bit more as far as like looking like champions. Um but Havoc and nevea were also uh pretty decent in this. I enjoyed it. Um and I think it was the right outcome. Fire and Flavor winning the belts uh looked good on them. They had uh we'll we'll get into what happened at the end with the presentation of the titles after, but uh what'd you think of uh the knockouts tag team title match?
1: I really enjoyed it. Uh, this was the first two matches were kind of so-so for me with this one. I, I really enjoyed it. I actually wish it went a lot longer. Uh, I really like what they did with the tournament. Uh, cause I like the one of the things I love about a good tournament is like multiple different stories being told. And like that uh, mixed tag match I mentioned from Final Resolution was born out of this tournament because Daniil and Alicia were teamed together but they couldn't get along couldn't get out the first round. Uh, the Knockouts title, title match we're going to talk about later on was born out of this tournament as well. And uh, last week, the week before this at Genesis, there was a match between Jordan Grace and Jazz, who were tag partners in this tournament, and obviously didn't get make, get past the same as they lost to Havok like, and Avia. So they managed to use this tournament to branch off multiple different stories, and like, which is a it goes to show the strength of Impact's women's division. And I always, I think I kind of always knew that it was going to come down to these two teams because they have history, but I don't think they've actually came across each other since like. Late, late, late in the summer so this match had enough time to pass that it felt fresh again and it felt like the right match for the, the tournament and it was, it was strange how uh, Tasha Dill and Keir Hogan felt like the faces because they were going up against bigger opponents when like on TV they're kind of these heels that just don't stop talking and like commentary points out like we don't need to do commentary pointing out like we don't even need to talk during these matches like Fire and Flavor do their own commentary because they don't stop talking uh, so it's weird to see that they were actually they feel like more fan-favorite like I was actually rooting for them during the match and I think of the two teams they're probably the right choice to be the new Titans. champs, they feel the most out of everybody like a, a established team because they started establishing all these teams way back in the, the summer so they actually feel like they've got a bit of a division going here and the fact that it was Gail Kim and Maz representing the tag titles as two, uh, one of the last teams to hold the titles originally. Uh, It felt like a real passing of the torch. I don't know if you've seen this clip going around online of uh, Fire and Flavor shooting some, uh, throwing some shades over at Tony Khan.
0: Oh! I have not uh, seen this.
1: uh, I think it was Sasha Steele looked down the camera and said, here, Tony, you see this? This is what you get when it's a tight tournament, not some participation medals.
0: Oh, okay. There we go.
1: Hmm. I, I want them. It's like if we're gonna do this whole back and forth thing, uh, if that's gonna continue, have those two show up on a uh, on AEW and basically say like, any two women in the so-called division of yours wanting challenges, like go ahead. We'll 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 show you what real like women's division is like, or something like that. I don't know. But I want to see those two show up and basically call out the fact that the AEW women's division is well, shit. at the minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is.
1: It is. I'm we'll probably be next about it, but.
0: Well, I mean, uh, it's been going on for long enough now that you just sort of got to call a spade a spade
1: and yeah, say
0: that there is a problem here and it needs to be addressed in, like, a real uh, serious way.
1: Yeah, because, like, there's thoughts I was going to mention wait, uh, say for later, but I'll mention them now, because, like, we were talking about this in the SSR group chat, that somebody shared a thing of getting a magazine, like, oh, I'll be, I'll be happy to see that, oh, the day that all the AEW women's divisions are getting more time or something like that. So him saying that as one of the guys apparently in charge of the creative for the women's division saying that, oh, I can't wait for the day they get more time, as if it's somehow out of his hands. And it's just like, we're like, oh, the fucking brass neck of you, boy. Like, with him, who probably shouldn't be involved in the division just because there's Josie Ressels involved, even though there isn't at the moment, because the bloody found out they can't come over. But like, maybe the fact that you're the world champion means you've got your own priorities, and the fact that Brandy Rhodes can't figure out what gimmick she, she's had more gimmicks than probably like, there's been James Bond in just the last two years since she's came into AEW. and like maybe the fact that you've now, me focus the fact that you're pregnant maybe you she bring someone else into the division who can actually book it and actually has the time to focus on the, on working with these women actually giving them stories like I don't know Serena Deep who's actually trained women's wrestlers in NXT before ever think about someone like that. Like the other thing is if like oh we need taking baby steps with the division. I think there's another comment. The thing for baby steps is when you establish the division, we're two years in now. Maybe start taking a little bit bigger steps by now.
0: Well, I think that uh, AEW, not to get too far off track, but I think that AEW has a problem with storytelling in general, where it does seem to go like, hey, we're six weeks into the Sting thing and he uh-huh. really hasn't done anything except for you know, swing Excuse me! Swing a bat around.
1: Oh, he's a sixty-one. Year, he's a sixty-one-year-old man. Things. He's I already wanting to go away.
0: He's a sixty-one-year-old man who chases off like like four really in-shape dudes with a bat and some face paint oh. and some fake snow.
1: I think we've we've, we've already diverted attention because, like, we should be talking about bloody. That's just dealing with Kira Hogan because, like, it was a big moment for them.
0: No, yeah, and it—it looked—it like you can feel like the emotion in it. I think it was uh, when they were first getting their hands raised. Uh, I think it was Kira Hogan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was she looked not super emotional, but you could tell that she was swept up in the win. And then, of course, uh, I believe it was Gail Kim and help Andrew. me out, here, Madison Rain, who came out with the Impact Knockouts Tag Team titles. To hand them to Fire and Flavor, the passing of the torch. Uh, they stood together for a second. Then uh, the Legends got out of the ring, and Fire and Flavor stood there with the tag belts in hand. And uh, I'm actually I'm interested to see like what's going on. I'm not the easiest sell. I've said it before. I'm not the easiest sell when it comes to women's wrestling. I grew up in a time where there wasn't very good rem- women's wrestling, and it, it takes a little bit of time to. But when you find something you like, you find something you like. And this match was something I definitely liked. And the moment at the end was. Uh, pretty good uh, and really heartfelt.
1: Yeah, uh, they br- they brought in some like new people during the uh, like the tournament, like the sea stars, and they brought in like Killer Kelly and Renee Michelle. And they were kind of 1st for, fodder, but at least now they've, they're kind of starting to expand the divisions because obviously, if you're gonna have like a, a single title and a knock and a tie team title, you are gonna need uh, more people. So it's good that they're already starting on that. Uh, speaking of Madison Reign, obviously this is the first pay per view that she and uh, Josh Matthews were on commentary because apparently she's looking for a job outside of wrestling, and Josh is apparently going to be working backstage and uh, with the commentary team of Matt Striker and D'Lo Brown. And I was wondering what your thoughts on them as a the commentary team was.
0: Uh, okay, um, <laughs> let's see. What's the way, the like the polite way to say this? Um, I. I've always had an affinity for Matt Striker. I thought he—I I used to think he was pretty good, um, and he wasn't awful. Um, and I was a fan of D'Lo for a long time in the ring. <laughs> D'Lo was sort of D'Lo was pretty awful um, on a, a majority of the show for me. Um, He—I uh, mean, it was his first time. Obviously, no one's going to be fucking you know, Mar Ronaldo or g- fucking Gorilla Monsoon or whatever, like the first time on the table. Um, but I just, I think it was some of, some of the stuff he said, like didn't have an ending. Like he would just start <laughs> saying something and then he would just stop speaking for a few seconds. I don't know if somebody was maybe in his ear and maybe he's not used to that. Uh, Cause that can be a uh, sort of a tough line to walk. And I think that um, Matt Stryker was good uh, not great. Uh, I think that especially with D- it being Delo's first time out um, for like a full show like this, I think Matt Stryker really needed to sort of step up and he sort of tried to put on too many hats in that role mm-hmm. uh, for me. Uh, so, I mean, I did find myself sort of bobbing and weaving in and out of commentary from for periods of time and I just found myself sort of in conversations with uh, my roommate who I was watching the show with uh, that night, but uh, I guess that's the most diplomatic way to say that they were kind of shite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always I've always been a fan of Matt Striker as a commentator. I think he has a real way of making you care about things and making certain things like seem more like worth investing, in than they actually are. He keeps talking about oh this is our sport and, like, and he's referring to wrestling as a sport and making him, trying to make it feel like a big deal. deal? Oh, yeah, I think he like you said, it's probably his first time doing something like this. And I even admit, like I was happy to see Matt Stryker as part well, of the new commentary team. Deal is something that really threw me, in. I do think he's got a lot of ways to to go. Like I don't know who else they would have really. I, I must sure that they wanted Matt Stryker in because they thought they had confidence in him that he could be a lead commentator. But obviously they weren't sure who else at their disposal they currently had to fill in the role of the secondary like commentator. And they thought, well, oh we've got Deal. He's a wrestler. He'll probably have some insight, but. Uh, I, I do think it's kind of an improvement over Matthews and Madison Rain, who we've had for a past year or so. Because uh, Joyce Matthews is—he does his best, but he's not really the most interesting commentator. Like, trying to advertise micro brawlers every time he just makes them still seem like Steve Carell's character from Forty Virgin*, claiming he's got hundred micro brawlers but they only sell six different variations of it. And <laughs> Madison Rain, like I—I I have to—I—I I end up having to tune out whenever she was on commentary. Because, like, she, she just wasn't that good. She has one good line on commentary that I did give her credit for when Paul talked about her and that. She had a really good line about Chris Bay one time when they talked about uh, him winning the award, Impact Award for uh, One to Watch in 2021. And she said, like, I don't think Chris Bay is somebody who you need to watch. He's the guy you should have been watching all along. And I thought, like, that's a brilliant line. gets that's, that's a good way to get somebody over the line like that. But, like, like, really, that one small shiny nugget of a line and, like, a year's worth of commentary is just not enough for me. And it is funny when you the matches I had video packages on this show and that the video packages had a completely different commentary team to the actual show itself because also this is Striker and Burns' like first night as a team.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I've liked Striker more on other shows, but I felt like maybe he was trying to wear... Like one too many hats, while also trying to give Delo some time to sort of figure out what he was doing. But I don't think Delo ever really got on the same page as Matt Striker at all during the course of the evening. And I think that uh, maybe it was nerves or whatever it was, uh, but it just it didn't work um, for me. But I'm happy so, that you brought.
1: Sorry, uh, what we're really seeing here, Impact, is uh, the real commentary team you want is the team of Matt Striker and uh, Jimmy. Here, he's he's basically. He'll send you an audition. To hit him up at Mr. I M R I M R R I Z O T. Apparently, something to do with Counter Strike. No, he's on. He's on some show on Fight TV. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, I, I do have some experience. I don't think. I think Matt Stryker and I might would clash too much because he definitely is more of a. Uh, I mean, I guess he's done the the story stuff too. Because uh, I'm more of a play by play guy. But I listen. I would fucking. I would I would definitely start watching Impact if if they asked me uh to 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 <laughs> be on that show. Uh I I've worked for less.
1: Um I mean I mean you I mean they've got AC there. You've you've done work with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, you you gotta get around, right? Yeah.
0: Um, so I I'm glad you brought up the promos though, because uh I wanted to talk about those uh, a little bit. There was like a series of sort of promos throughout the evening uh that were in the back. Uh Ace Romero was uh being a detective, for some reason, I need you to uh, help me figure this out because I need to exactly know how to bust his balls next time. Uh, <laughs> like, I need to know how to properly bust his balls for this uh, while I'm on commentary with him next time.
1: Yeah, so what happened is, and I'm trying to send it, do this the best way I can where, and help this make sense. Well, back at Wrestle House, uh, Larry D, uh, basically his like, tag partner in Triple XL, got sprayed with some potion called Ring Rust by Rosemary, which turned him into Lawrence D, which uh, basically thinks of himself as a ladies' man when he becomes Lawrence D, and basically she did that to make Johnny Bravo jealous, and at the end of his house is how Johnny Bravo and Rosemary got together, and so obviously they're doing this whole mystery of who shot Johnny Bravo, and it basically came out that somebody, when the lights went out during the wind sprayed, that ring rust at uh, Larry D, which turns into Lawrence D, so, who still had feelings for Rosemary, so he shot Johnny Bravo, but now uh, Larry D claiming he got set up Somebody sprayed him with that To cause him to shoot uh, So basically Larry D is the rikishi In this who ran over Austin situation So now Trying to basically save his friend from jail And basically find out who's the Triple H In this situation Who's the person orchestrating Who's behind the whole thing And basically now, So he's been playing detective uh, And the week's leading up to this and was directed to the Rockets locker room by Johnny Swinger on the Go Home Impact. And also they did the cliffhanger, like, Who's knock- which knocker did you find that ring rust in? Well, here's the thing. And then they did the bloody cut. And I out loud yelled, oh, you bastard. When <laughs> they did because I could tell you actually who they revealed it on the on Impact post list, but actually it's probably better waiting until after we talk about the Knockets title match.
0: Yes, yes, uh, we we will get to remind me we'll get we'll get to that towards the end. There was also one uh with Eddie Edwards uh before his match. We I'm not going to do the moray. It's just this, this stood out to me is that uh they let Eddie Edwards go on for like ever. Yeah. And it, and it was not good. They didn't do anything with the camera either. It was visually boring, it was audibly boring. Um and I think that that showed up a lot during these impact uh, promos during uh, during the pay per view, they don't really. They all look exactly the same, even if they're in different locations. It doesn't. I don't know. Something doesn't land. Is that like the norm for them, or the, it was? The, were they trying anything new here tonight?
1: No, for me, they, they kind of look, more often than not, these segments kind of look the same. I do know, every now and then you get a segment that kind of feels like it, it goes on a bit, like the, to set up like TJP becoming manic at one point. Yeah, I like the Scot- a thing with Scott DeMar where Scott DeMar basically lays the seeds for TGP basically using another persona to get to the exhibition title. But he goes on for far too long and basically beats you over the head with what they're going to end up doing. So sometimes these segments days kind of go on for a bit too long where people don't, realize, don't know when to kind of put an end to it. And especially given that these are taped, like you can't do a few more takes or like maybe cut this down a little bit. And basically given that Eddie... The segments with Eddie and his wife aren't always the most compelling, even when they try to make them that.
0: Yeah, I mean it was just a swing and a miss. Swing and a miss on that one. Uh but well, we will get into that match shortly. As we roll in uh to the impact zone they still call it the impact zone? Yeah. As we roll back into the impact zone here, uh, Ace Austin comes out. He's uh, all pissy that he doesn't have a match tonight um, and about his interview being uh, cut at the panel before the like during the pre-show. I think it was he mentioned that uh, he was on the pre-show, but it got cut short. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts demanding that he be named number one contender for the X Division title, calls out Scott D'Amore. And Scott Demore just stands up at the at the ramp at the top of the ramp. And he's just sort of like, nah, bro, nah, bro. <laughs> Because uh, that's what that's what sort of made me laugh about it. Just, he's just out there shaking his head. Just, nah, not going to happen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he puts over that uh, Scott Moore's out, obviously shaking his head. No. Uh, puts over Ace, uh, Ace Austin, but denies his request for an X-Division championship match. And uh, that he has a special opponent for him. And it is the former Long Island IZ, Matt Cardona, is out. And we have Matt Cardona versus Ace Austin. Uh, a starts off in control. Um I mean pretty decent back and forth uh contest for these guys. Um and let's see, it goes two minutes and thirty seconds and it ends in a disqualification. Um if I'm remembering correctly, it was because Madman Fulton got involved multiple times. Yeah. Um but for the two and a half minutes we got it for, I think that's I think it's pretty cool. Uh Mac Cardona being like the bigger fish in a small pond, sort of like the big guy among the new crop of impact guys, I think is cool. Um, I think he could do a little bit here and have a little bit of fun. Uh, Would you think of uh, Cardona being the surprise in the match that, the sort of match he had with Ace Austin?
1: Um, First off, I can get why Ace Austin was out here because he won the surprise cup they had at Genesis the week prior to this, which Genesis as a whole, I recommend people go out and check out because they had the surprise cup. They had a... they had Jordan Grace versus Chas, and they had Miss versus Willie Mack, and then I quit match, which the finish of which uh, I want to tell people about, but it's so good I want people to go watch it themselves, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but like, especially like Blake Christian versus Ace Austin in the finals of the Super X Cup, as a match worth checking out, even if you don't watch the whole show, that's best match of the night I'm, I'm sure, but yeah, I can see why he was also trying to insert himself into the a Division match, because I assume that now Ace Austin and the winner of the the triple threat match later on will probably meet at some point because he is the Super X Cup winner. And then when Scotiaboard said uh, he's always ready, I sat up and went, no, no. Because as I've mentioned before, I believe I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of Matt Cordona, even way back to the 2011 push of Zack Ryder. Uh, I remember me and my brother and like four kind of disinterested casuals where uh, casual wrestling fans were watching WrestleMania 32 my brother and I were the only ones who gave a shit when Zack Ryder won the, the IC title in that ladder match. So he still holds his place in my heart. Uh, and so when he said, he's always ready, I'm like, no, no way, surely. And then music it, and like, it was probably one of the times I was most excited watching this show, to actually see him in Impact, because like, I had been wondering, like, what the fuck happened with him in AEW, because he popped up, he did it all out, and then that was it. And... Yeah, well, well, they had more of a match. I can see what they were kind of going for, and apparently, I think on the next impact it's going to be Fulton and Ace versus Cardona and Josh Alexander, which uh, should be an interesting match, especially the idea of like Alexander and Fulton going against each other because they're kind of big guys. So I like to see what happens there. But yeah, it was a decent enough introduction for for Cardona, and I want to see. I'm just waiting to see how long it takes them to do something between him and uh brian myers because like they, they openly acknowledge on commentary that they do do the, the major wrestling podcast on commentary so like they have to do something to acknowledge how they acknowledge each other on screen
0: yeah yeah i mean i was very uh sort of surprised when brian myers didn't come out at all mm-hmm. um during this brief uh interaction that they had here but uh yeah, I, I have to agree. I think it's a interesting sort of introduction to Matt Cardona in, um, in Impact, and I you know long may it continue. You know, I mean, especially with the working relationship with AEW. I know that his deal was for five appearances, like one, like just like a a quick shot, quick like tour, I guess you could call it. And he had like the one match on Dynamite, he had the one match on All Out, and a couple of other appearances, and that was done and done. Um, yeah,
1: apparently. He's not actually signed with Impact. He, he showed up. He's obviously like at the tapings that they did, which is going to be over the next couple of months. So I'll be interested to see, other than this like tag match I mentioned, what else he really does at this taping. He, it seems like he's, I think it's seemingly like he's not wanting to sign with anywhere like on a more permanent basis. And I think he's the kind of guy who's kind of waiting for like more Indies to start up again so he can be like more of a independent guy obviously he doesn't really have the opportunity to do that. And I think part of the reason that Brian Myers probably has signed a contract with Impact and he hasn't is also in that Breyer, Myers has a family and Cardona doesn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, I could see that maybe Cardona wants to hop around on the Indies for a while. He definitely could make a, a lot of money on the Indies, uh, bumping around and hanging out and everything. Uh, we'd I'd I'd have him at the the Magic Kingdom sometime, definitely because that would be a lot of fun. A little woo woo woo, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I just think that would be great. Um, but um, yeah, I like, like I said, this was an interesting you know start for him, and yeah, hopefully he sticks around for a little bit and you know does more and starts to get somewhere. And I like like you said, unfortunately because of COVID, it just seemed that because I mean he was with WWE for what twelve years or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think he and think they said Ian Myers said that they came to Mid South. They then development on like 2006, so and then they got released in 2020. So there you go. That's
0: 14 years.
1: Yeah, well, with my well, Cardona has at least been with 14 years because also there's a period where Myers got fired. But yeah, and like they talked about how they had to do security at Mid South. They two and Kerry Omega doing like a Greek Cali appearance, which is funny to think about now.
0: Yeah. That is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I could see maybe that's why he doesn't necessarily want to sign somewhere and he just wants to bounce around, be the, the free agent or whatever, just cause you're stuck in one place for so long. The last thing you want to do is sign another contract.
1: Um, yeah. And he's got that new like version of the internet belt. So he's probably going to try and like show up at more promotions to maybe defend that belt. Would be
0: fun. Would be fun. Um,
1: next up, we have the triple threat match for the impact
0: X division championship manic uh, who is definitely not tjp in any way shape or form uh oh, I- took on chris bay and rohit raju uh match went about 14 minutes and unfortunately manic won uh i was really <laughs> sort of pulling for chris bay or even rohit I-, I like the story with rohit and chris bay and uh unfortunately manic has to be a part of it um not that he's not a good wrestler he's just a bad person um, not a good person um, but I think this was uh, easily match of the night for me uh, even though the, the the main event was awesome uh, this one sort of snuck up on me and had me sort of deeply enthralled uh, the entire time um, and I enjoyed the shit out of this match I, I, I honestly can't say enough good things about it um, it was great up until Manic won the match uh, so what did you think of the uh, triple threat match here for the X-Division Championship?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it was one of the matches of the night. Uh, the thing with, with Manic, uh, I've talked with several people about this, that I think maybe the suggestion of uh, TGP bringing back Manic may be a bit of a rib on their part, given uh, you know, TGP's uh, opinions on masks and such. But I think the fact that I've enjoyed the last few weeks of Impact because uh, Rohit won the title in the first place, he manipulated TJP and Chris Bay, who was the then champion, which led to a triple throw where he won the belt. And so then, else there ever since he had that reign where he did those defeat Rohit challenges, and he was always sneak out just sneak out with the belt. And then, like from losing to Manic, uh, who used a loophole in the fact that TJP couldn't challenge for the belt, like you didn't know, say anything about Manic, who's definitely not me. Uh, and then Manic wins the belt, and then Chris Bay, uh, gets tricks Rohit tricks into hitting him during a match with Manic so that Chris Bay beats the X-Division champion DQ so Chris Bay earns himself a title shot so it's the idea, like, these two people that Rohit kind of screwed over so he could get the title are now screwing him back and are keeping him from getting the X-Division title back and uh, I really thought going into, like, oh, it's going to be either Manic pertains or Chris Bay wins it because there's no way they're giving it back to Ruhi, like so soon, but they really made me a quick question which way it was going to go because, like, they did a spot where like, he snuck in and had a knee after somebody else did a splash, but then it wasn't the finish. And I'm pretty sure that same finish happened at Bound for Goey, so they made you trick, made you just think, oh, is it going to happen again? Is he going to steal the belt again? And honestly, there were certain points where I thought Chris Bayley, like you said, was going to win the title, but then Manic won. it. And then well, the fact that Mastery said, oh, we still can't be sure when uh, Rohit finally took the mask off. And it's clearly TGP, but just wearing weird clown makeup. Like, oh, we still can't be sure. Like, are you serious? Like of course the TV, and then TJP shows up in Scott Damore's office to, uh, on the next Impact, holding the title, and Rohit's raging like, oh, "Wait, that's that's TJP and uh, Manic is TJP and uh, Scott Moore." Like, of course Mike was TJP. Who did you think it was? <laughs> Jesus,
0: I mean, also his arms are exposed and he has two like tattoo sleeves. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, this was, this one really snuck up on me. I'm glad of all of the other matches, I am very glad that this had a promo package, uh, mm-hmm. because I like the story. I think the story is fun and it's not like super serious, but it's also not super comedy. Uh, there's a little bit of both in it. I think Chris Bay, uh, being the ultimate finesser and like his whole part in it is, is very entertaining. Uh, and this match was, was dope. I, i really enjoyed, uh, a great majority of this match for sure. And, uh, Hopefully, Rohit or Chris Bay get it soon and Manic, I don't know, flies into the sun.
1: Um, I think East Austin will win it either by their next pay per view or even before that, or even at that pay per view because uh, they announced that Rebellion's their next uh, like actual pay per view. Uh, it's going to be on the 24th of April, I think. And uh, people have possibly been quick to point out that in the middle of the, the logo is the symbol for Omega. So looks like this AEW thing going to continue for a couple of months? Well,
0: did you see uh, in slight AEW news? AEW filed a trademark for the the uh, the phrase uh, "Battle of the Belts," an old NWA show.
1: I, I did see that. I did see that. It's going to be so something maybe some weird like NWA AEW T- Impact kind of branding, like cool show. I, I like to see that with the belts. Kind of being all these belts being on the line. Because uh, like, I remember when this, this first like, when Kamega first appeared on Impact, me and Paul were talking about it, and I, I mentioned the idea of like we got NWA as well, and what, like some promotion in Japan got involved. I said then, like I feel like we've got two different versions of the territory system going at the moment, where like companies like Impact, NWA, and Ew you know, working together, and for the WB twenty use NXT to colonize the UK and now India. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's it's very interesting uh tamatanga recently on his podcast said that bullet club and uh new japan should work with wwe they should do business and stuff so i mean who knows what's going to happen here uh aw and impact uh if they do like a champions versus champions thing or like people from different promotions challenge for all the different belts on all the different promotions and whatnot i think that could be very very interesting also, it would be funny if like Brian Cage doesn't get to defend the FTW title on that because it's not recognized by anybody, <laughs> and Taz just complains about it all night. Um, but like, they could do like a two-night show—one from the Impact Zone, one from Daly's place—and you get both of those people, like both of those on different, you know, streaming networks and everything. I think it could work out uh, very, very well for everybody involved. Uh, but next up. Something that didn't work out well for pretty much anybody involved. Uh, the Impact Knockouts Championship, Deanna Prazo taking on Taya Valkyrie in a match that went eleven hours and eleven minutes. Um I did not I did not dig this match. Uh, it was Ty Valkyrie's uh, last match apparently. She put over Deanna Prazo uh Parrazzo clean. I like Deanna. I was not uh, impressed by anything either really they did in this match in stark contrast to the tag match that I loved so much before. This kind of match was sort of in that vein of like eh. You know like this was sort of the women's wrestling I knew growing up. It was just it wasn't didn't seem as smooth it didn't work as well. I also didn't primarily give too much of a shit about what was going on here. Uh, Maybe it was because I'm not familiar with uh, Taya Valkyrie's run or whatever the case may be but uh, this did not really hit for me. Uh, did you uh, feel the same about that or were you uh, more of a fan of the Knockouts Championship match?
1: I was more of a fan, but not by much. Because like, I didn't like the opening like, with like, everybody in it, say so, like Decay, uh, Kimberly and uh, Susan being, uh, being escorted from ringside and like Susan basically filming what was going on and basically, basically the equivalent of saying like I'm going to speak to the referee's manager and then she tweeted out like, the video that she had taken during the the kind of scuffle on the outside, I didn't. Like even Matt Frick was complaining about it, like saying, "Oh, I thought we were gonna get more of a serious match." And I'm like, "Well, so did I, Matt. So did I." Because like you got like the woman who's now been like the woman who took over like the Knockouts division that she came in versus the one who's the longest reigning Knockouts champion. So you think like I was like, "This is one of the matches I was most excited about going into it." You know, they talked about on contrary, as a match that could like stand out despite everything else that's going on. Like I know, obviously they want to make Diana look strong because Ty is on her way. I didn't know she was on her way at the time, but it did feel a lot like one-sided on Ty on Diana's uh, part because she was working all the arms and so that. But meant it was a struggle for uh, Ty Valkyrie during the match. And then it just as if it like Ty was actually coming, starting to make more of a comeback, then they do the, the sequence that leads into the, the Venus denial, kind of the double arm, which is our arm bar. and she just gives up and like fair enough. You want to put Deanna over on away way out. I don't know who you got left now to really... Because I actually thought Ty was one of the only people you had on the roster to really like, be the person to take the belt from her. Because like, Deanna had a match with uh, Rosemary that was kind of thrown together uh, as a result of like, them beating uh, Diana and Kimberly in the Knockouts Tag Tournament. And I mentioned it probably that was one of the more disappointing matches of a uh, final resolution. So I was expecting for this to be a lot better. And it wasn't that much better and then, yeah, the next thing on Empire reveals that, yeah, it was Taya Valkyrie who set up Lauren feet to shoot Johnny Bravo, which, when you actually think about it, like, well, that actually makes sense because Johnny Bravo, did don't used to work for Taya Valkyrie. And then makes you think, like, well, this storyline, I actually thought, the how silly it was, was actually had a lot of great prospects. And then, as I talked to with Paul the other day, like, this storyline with Johnny Bravo and the attempted murder uh, it's weird to say, but this attempted murder storyline really fizzled out at the end, didn't it? <laughs> um.
0: So, wh- what was the maybe I missed it, but what was the like relationship between Taya and Rosemary?
1: I have no idea. Like, I tuned back into impact and like a month or so before impact uh, before Sunniversary, and they were suddenly teaming together. So, I'm not entirely sure why they were working together. They just became friends, like, more friendly as time went on. And like they had the thing with Johnny Bravo, who was a corrupt referee who used to like fix matches in favour of uh Taya Valkyrie and then just basically came out like her stooge, her corner guy. And then he was clearly in love with Rosemary and then that was the whole story of Wrestle House between those two and then the wedding happened. And then when you actually think about it, also Rosemary reveals at one point in the storyline she never actually loved Johnny Bravo, which makes you question why this whole storyline never happened which is annoying because it was really one of the things about Impact I was most invested in. And I know it's weird to say, but sometimes I like weird storylines and Impact just seems to be good at weird storylines that I don't know why I'm invested in them, but I kind of am. I was, mean, yeah. hey,
0: you like what you like,
1: you know? Yeah, this of rival thing had a lot of potential. Then they did the Law ID thing and then Daya seems too obvious, just like Triple H was too obvious with the reveal of Rikishi. Spoilers for eight months from now for the retro Smackdown review. If I, I wish I had a, a Men in Black thing. I could delete that from people's minds. But, <laughs> you know. Because, like, yeah. Larry D had a match with Tommy Dreamer at Final Resolution where Larry D would go to jail if he lost, but he would walk free if he won. And I said to "All the weirdest sentence I've ever said on a podcast, this match does not feel like a man's freedom is at stake because they just had a match. Um, yeah, I mean, that, uh, but
0: I mean... I, th- this was sort of like a down portion of the, uh, the pay-per-view for me. Um, and I mean, obviously with the next match, like it has been pretty much universally panned, even by the guy who's in it. Um, and of course that would be the karate man versus Ethan page, uh, in a match that, I don't know. It happened in front of a green screen, I guess. And it was just bad. Ethan page said it was bad. It was bad. And then he gets like murdered by himself at the end. I, I did chuckle at a few of the lines where, um, I think one of them was just like Ethan Page is like, "What are you staring at?" He goes, "I know I'm staring at a bitch," or something <laughs> like that. Like some of that stuff was funny. Uh, apparently, Ethan Page didn't want to bring this character to TV or anything either. I don't know. I this sucked. It just sucked. I mean, what else can you say, right? Yeah, he didn't
1: want to bring it to TV and. Uh... I think he said that his exact words were like, "I thought the idea of a guy fighting his own alter ego was funny enough that if he presented it to you, it would make it even funnier." But they just lazily edited it together, just like it. He said he filmed it, sent it to them, and they didn't do a good enough job of editing and made it look as fake as it actually was. And it was weird at the time I was like, "It's kind of what I expected it to be," because like, yeah, it was never going to look that good—a guy fighting himself. But, you know, they probably could have made it look less obvious because, like, the idea of, like, you see Cryman, like, point of view shot, focusing on the man, he does a punch, made it, made it cut to uh, Ethan Page being hit by nothing and but selling as if he's been punched. So in some ways it was, what said, like, the D-movie-esque, like, effects, but then, you know, they could have done a lot better. And considering this is Ethan Page's, like, way out and, like, how big of a part of the company he's been over the last year where he was, like, one half of the longest reign tag champs and everything. Kind of sad to see him go out on these terms.
0: Yeah, but I mean, not everyone gets to have like a, I don't know, like a a, a nice send-off when they go, I guess. There's got to be more to this, uh, especially with the way that this was presented, and it was a gigantic waste of time. Uh, speaking yeah. of a uh, gi- gigantic waste of time, Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan tried in a barbed wire massacre. Match. I don't know. This I don't know this didn't really nail for me either. I like Sammy Callahan a lot. I really, really do. Um, I thought him and Eddie Edwards tried really hard, but just something about this just I don't like to say the F word when it comes to wrestling, but it felt fake. Uh, does that does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, I get your thing. Like I was disappointed when it wasn't the original version of the barbed wire massacre which is like it just replaced all the ropes with barbed wire instead they had like a half cage thing and just a bunch of different weapons with barbed wire and like, I get the logistics of like a live pay-per-view having to take the ropes down replace them with barbed wire and then take them back down put the ropes back up on a live show logistically is probably a nightmare and basically get it done time without like having to inject filler in order to buy the product, the, the ring crew more time so, but I was just I had an expectation of what it was going to be and like there were there were funny moments I've done this like the fact that San Miguel had a PlayStation 1 controller a PlayStation controller, or a Nintendo controller wrapped in barbed wire as, like, one of the weapons of choice was weird. I, d- oh, I did, like, cr- uh, cringe when uh, they had that, like, metal, like, cable where all the weapons were hanging in and Sammy flung Eddie off the ropes and he hit his, like, neck off of that. Kind of made me wince a little bit. But there were points where, like, they made the barbed wire like, feel like how like, they were having trouble, like, oh, he's gonna go. go by his face, got to go by his face, oh, oh. And I get, like, health-wise, you need to be careful with barbed wire, but I wasn't maybe expecting a little bit more from this. and I was kind of underwhelmed by the idea of Eddie Edwards winning, even though, sort wise it probably made the most sense. But I find Callahan more interesting than Eddie Edwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, Callahan, I think, is just a better character. I think he's a better wrestler. Um, I think that he's um, better in these types of matches. I don't think Eddie Edwards was necessarily prepared for this or so i don't know what the problem was it just it just was not good uh and they played i'm glad you brought that like that spot that made you wince up where like his neck went across the thing i think that the more times that they showed it on replay and the more that they bigged it up like it was this big thing it just maybe it's because i'm too close to these sorts of things but it didn't really look that bad like it i don't know like i mean in a barbed wire massacre match. And like, like you were saying, I was expecting at least one of the sides of ropes to be taken down mm-hmm. and be barbed wire. I assumed that's what it was. And there is no reason that they couldn't have filmed this the, the prior day, earlier in the day, what have mm-hmm. you. And because they had just cut to a pre-tape match. Why wouldn't you just pre-tape the big barbed wire match, you know? And the fact that it sort of came at the end of a slump in the pay-per-view for me, this was just, and then of course the guy I wanted to win, Sammy Callahan didn't win. So then I was just sort of like, and it went way too long. I don't know. Uh, but for me, it's just, this didn't nail, I've called death matches before and I've, I've, you know, I've been around for death match tournaments and stuff. And I'm not saying that's what maybe they were even going for with this, but they needed to go, a little bit bigger and maybe practice a few of the uh, spots a few times just to make sure that everything looked perfect because that's, they needed some part of it. Like the promos were not necessarily intriguing. The promo package beforehand was just sort of nonsensical to me, I guess not because I don't watch impact. I guess it was just sort of like whatever. And then the match was fairly underwhelming. Uh, And even like the setup for the match just didn't it didn't look anything like it looked like a playset. It looked like Impact was getting ready to release the barbed wire massacre playset and this was like <laughs> the best they could do. Um Yeah.
1: And, and then like that cage as well They even come into play that much. So like the idea of having it there was maybe even more pointless. I don't like weapons matches where they put weapons around the ring or like, well it's use some potential options that these guys could use in the match and then they don't use all of them. Like only I think they should only put out things in weapons matches of that they are actually going to use that they actually have a planned spot for. So like yeah that they that like PlayStation controller. But at least they actually use that. And the thing they was since the original like incident with Cal and he's been dressing like coming out in jeans to wrestle and wrestling like more he's not wrestling like the original, like Eddie Edwards like who's like wrestling Japan and all that. They've tried to make him more hard like a hardcore wrestler as well as like I can actually wrestle and like, you had him as world champion to the open challenges, but like, as the version of Eddie Edwards he has now, I think now that he's actually beaten Callahan, he should go back to like the gear that he used to wear, like the long like, tights that he used to wear. And like, because like he was turned into this version of Eddie Edwards by Sammy Callahan, so I think he should transition back into just the wrestler Eddie Edwards. Because like, he had a segment where he was just getting checked by the doctor on the, the following impact, and like, they had uh, Brian Myers him have a conversation, Brian Myers called him a backyarder. For like the way he dressed in the, the match that he had
0: with Callahan. Ooh, strong words. <laughs> Wait, Ooh. Kind
1: of, I mean, Barry Mara's like, oh, you back yeah, they like, didn't you fight Grimm in someone's backyard? In Grimm's backyard,
0: probably, 'Cause yeah. I've been I've been there. It's a cool place, but uh not if you've been on uh national television, I suppose. Um no that's nothing against Grimm. I think I think Grimm in his area is great. Uh but yeah, don't go calling people yarders when, you know, you've... You
1: have recently, literally competed in someone's backyard.
0: You've literally competed in a yard. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I mean, it, it. we had like a slump here, and it does sort of affect my uh, enjoyment of the show as a whole. But luckily, luckily, the main event was here to save us all. As Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson with Don Callis took on Rich Swan, Chris Saban, and
1: Moose.
0: Which I was Ooh. very, I was very happy to be able to Moose every single like I don't know ten or twelve seconds. I love Moose uh, and the little Moose that he does. I, nobody can see me doing it, but I'm doing the the hand motion. Um, yeah, I, I think Moose was fucking awesome in this match Chris Saban as always is great rich Swann is great uh, the good brothers worked well together Carl Anderson seems to be the machine gun of old as of lately which is nice and of course Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega he's the AEW world champion wearing a New Japan's uh, like they were all in bullet club gear so they're all in a New Japan like aesthetic for, uh, and then they're standing in an impact ring to quote a tweet that got circulated around the internet this is some next level shit. It really <laughs> is. Um, and they came out and they pointed out on commentary that like the Good Brothers could have gone for pins at points, but they really wanted it it showed that they wanted Omega to be the one to get the win. And of course he does by hitting the one-wing angel on Rich Swan, but Rich Swan had a great performance in this match. Chris Sabin Moose, who earlier in the night um said to Don Callis, that he may show up on Dynamite and challenge Kenny Omega for the title. You know what? I, with the way Moose performed in this match, fucking give me that match. That match is going to be super, super, super dope. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I thought this match was great, and it just it, it did exactly what it needed to do. And coming off of those last three matches with di- which didn't exactly. Hit for me, I mean, the Ethan Page thing was awful. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan again did not hit for me. The main event really, really delivered, and then some uh, for even what I was expecting. Um, what did you think of the the main event there, Scott?
1: I, I really enjoy. I think no matter what else happened, this is always a deliver. This is probably what a lot of people who maybe don't watch Impact were tuning in for. Uh, I did think it was a shame that like, they did like, also they're on the parent company owns access. So they are able to put like, some impact like specials at the week on Access the week of a pay-per-view to help give themselves a bit of uh, more publicity and like, get some extra pay-per-view buys. And I think it's a shame that they did like, a 40-minute-plus uh, special on, uh, on Access that helped hype up the main event. And they even showed like, when the Good Brothers showed up on, on Dynamite after the, uh, the Kenny Phoenix match, uh, that like, only just after that did they have the announcement that Alex, uh, Alex Shelley couldn't make the show. And even he said, like, look, it's not COVID, but like, I just I can't be at the show. I apologise to the fans. I apologise to everybody involved in the match. I apologise to Impact Wrestling. And it was a shame because, like, I do think that the Machine Guns are one of the best tag teams of the last twenty years. So, like, getting to see them in a mass match like this was something I was excited about. Having said that, it's shocking that Moose was the one who wasn't meant to be here. And yeah, he comes out of it being the one that everyone is talking about. And like, you had that thing with uh, Swan and Chris Saban. Obviously, they there, that storyline with Willie Mack and Moose, which is, who's obviously Rich Swann's uh, best friend. And Swan like, if it was up to me, Willie Mack would be the one filling in, but he's not here because of you. So why the hell should I trust you? And then Moose said, I've like, won as part of football teams with guys I didn't like. But as soon as the, the, the game started... I would put my body in line for those guys, and I'm going to do the same for you guys in this match because I care about being on the winning team. And it's kind of like, like you kind of like brought Swan and Sabin around to it. And also, they are like basically they have been building for a while that eventually I do believe Moose is going to take that title from Swan because I think he should because Moose needs to be the, the champion right now. And like the fact that Moose got up on the top rope and hit Kenny Omega with a Spanish fly or like was too big for Kenny Omega to. Be able to hit the one winged angel on was just like so impressive. And like, yes, Swan did his best to like, also stand out as the Impact World Champion for like AEW fans who maybe haven't, maybe haven't obviously watched Impact before or maybe only well, known for like his time in WWE. But and I was a bit sad, like, I thought I was like, shit, like, well, the rumours are that came I guess, at some point won the Impact title. I thought, like, well, why did he even need to do that match now? He's already been Swan. Then um, I was kind of brought around it because I've seen someone else say that. Yeah, but he took the Good Brothers tag finisher and then the finisher that no one kicks out of. So when you can think about it he kinda is protected because he had to take two finishers to keep him down. And as much as I like him, Swan, if someone's gonna kick out the wrong wing angel, it's not gonna be able to do Rich Swan.
0: Yeah, it's not gonna be the guy who dances. Um
1: I, lo- yeah, I love get- I, lo- I love Rich Swan. I I love
0: Rich Swan, but it's not gonna be you, buddy, sorry.
1: I, I I'd like to see it be like if KMG is gonna actually win the title, I would actually like to do a case of like he beats Swan for the title, he holds onto it, loses it to Moose, and like, you can do is similar to what you did on this show where he kind of tried to get the one-winged Angel, but Moose like, easily fought out of it, so you don't need to hit Moose with the one-winged Angel and have him kick out of it. Just don't ha- have him get hit with it. And like that really keeps him protected. And also, me and Paul have been speculating for a while that William Mac is eventually going kind to of turn on Swan. So maybe you can have William Mack cost Swan the title against Omega to keep that Actually, gives Swan a storyline coming out of losing the title, and don't make him look like basically just another guy to Kenny Omega. And I like the idea of like if Kenny Omega wins the Impact Tale before like Revolution, say, which I don't think he will, but I've got this weird this fantasy in my mind. So please come with me on this journey. I have this like fantasy in my head of like Kenny Omega wins the title before Revolution retains the title over say John Moxley. So at the end of LSU, you've got Omega posing with the Impact title and the AEW title. And then Moose comes in, out the crowd spears Omega and just stands over him, obviously with his TNA title as well. And then just holds up the the Impact title. I like the idea of Moose still carrying around that TNA belt up until he eventually wins the Impact title.
0: And then when he wins the Impact title, he can still just carry around the TNA title. Because I like the way that TNA TNA title looks. I really do. Oh,
1: it's beautiful. Like it's gorgeous. I love that belt.
0: Um, but yeah. So overall, uh, hard to kill was uh, peaks and valleys. Most of it was okay to good. Um, there were a couple of like bangers that you definitely should check out. Um, and of course the main event is building. More and more and more stuff. Uh, they just recently announced for No Surrender that the number one contenders to the Impact tag team titles uh, held by the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson are none other than Private Party with Matt Hardy, who recently turned heel on AEW. Lots of stuff going down uh, between these two brands. Um, wasn't uh, Tony Khan at ringside with Jerry Lynn this week on yeah. a-
1: yeah, they revealed that they were actually at the impact zone. I think Geraldine does. I haven't watched the match, but apparently, uh, Geraldine I think does get involved. I think with that, plus the fact that as much as Rich, uh, Chris Saban, and Team Storm are entertaining, a uh, private party are an established team, and those two aren't, even though they're good tag wrestlers, and it does keep the uh, the storyline with AW going. I did love that the out of all this, the main thing people were focused on was the fact that Tony Khan had a notebook at, at ringside someone zoomed in on it to reveal it's a captain's log on the front of it. And so it much.
0: Put, he got so much nerd cred for that.
1: Yeah. I had someone, I think my favorite is somebody put that up with side by side with Homer Sands and sticking his head out of the car going, nerd. <laughs> 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 and I'm, I'm really excited with like the matches they're coming up with. Like they're coming out of this like, relationship. Like with a uh, 20 like I can't outcarnate Carney, Don Callison impact wrestling. But Matt Hardy is one of the biggest carnies in the business. So that's why I've sent Matt Hardy with Private Party, and then we've got that match for for Beach Break, with uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny versus John Moxley, Phoenix and Pack.
0: That's gonna fucking be so good. Mm,
1: yeah, I'm actually hoping. Like, is it? I, I assumed that Osley, Moxley and Kenny would have a rematch at Revolution. I want there to be a triple threat, and I want it to be Kenny Moxley and Pack at Revolution. So I'm just, I just the mindset that I like, just give Pac the belt already. I think he, if it wasn't for, for the lockdown and him not being able to travel over to the U.S., he would have had that title a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I love the stuff with Pac. Pac also has mentioned that him and Kenny Omega have unfinished business and their business will not be finished until Kenny, I assume, loses the title to pack or something put pack in fucking everything around titles give him all the titles so he can drag them to the ring and fucking be the king of any division that he's in please 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 do that um but yeah that was hard to kill overall i'm gonna say it was like five out of ten i think it was right in the middle there was a there was plenty of good there was plenty of okay but the bad was particularly bad um, or bad yeah. enough for me that made it a five out of ten sort of range. Definitely, eh, you know that was a thing. Is my rating. What is a, what's your what's your rating there for uh, Hard to Kill?
1: Uh, I'm I'm kind of cautious here because maybe a six or seven. Given I I've watched sort of the storylines that led up to this, because I think I have a more so I knew more of what was going on, so I could invest in certain things more than somebody who was just tuning in because of the main event. But I'd still think there were some things that didn't deliver as much as I wanted them to. And also the fact that I was hoping that it would be like this would be a good thing for Impact given us having Kenny Omega involved. And it is also like, given like the, the ratings for where he first showed up and that. But there are rumours that he's not going to be as involved, at least he said he's not going to be as involved with impact going forward. And like I remember after Slam the it, they had all this momentum, at least for a couple of weeks. But apparently they've had the like the post impact uh, the post Hard to Kill impact uh, with Pirate Party showing up was actually their lowest epi- rating they've got since November. So I don't think at first these, uh, the Hard to Kill had the desired effect because I think there was a lot of people just like, oh, I'll tune into Hard to Kill. But I think given that some things didn't deliver, like especially like the, the Karate Man matching that, that not enough people watched this and thought, I'll tune into Impact next on Tuesday. And I think. That is what's led to this reading, which, you know, as an Impact fan, it fills
0: me with a little bit of dread. Yeah, so I mean, every time they take one or two steps forward, there's always a a few steps back. And obviously, we know that uh, Tony Khan is taking notes. So um, that was hard to kill. Next up, we got a stop over in Jacksonville as we check in with AEW. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Party in the city with the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. Welcome to my home. Bienvenido, Miami. I- I- bouncing in the club where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn. I'm going to Miami. Welcome to my home. This week's dynamite, of course, took place from the Daily's Place in the Jacksonville, the Florida. Uh, and a few things of interest definitely happened and we're going to break them down right quick right now. Um, first off, uh, MJF and Jericho took on Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager, and they took on Santana and Ortiz. The winner becomes the inner circles, official tag team. MJF and Jericho, uh, have become the tag team. They have a match next week. Um, I thought this was all right, Uh, for the most part. Good to see Sammy Guevara back in there. I love that they stuck with Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager just so they could have Sammy Hager. Sammy Hagar, like, introduce them, like, in that little picture-in-picture. That was entertaining enough. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that Santana and Ortiz, like, I don't know how official this official tag team thing is. But, like, I'm I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't them. But the MJF and Jericho stuff is, like, building to something, you know?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I'll say is, welcome to COVID is Jericho. (laughs) Because I'm, I'm, I've been watching him on the virtual and he's very over there, but I'm getting to the point, like, I'm done with Jericho. I'm just done, because, oh, isn't it funny? Sammy Guevara's too young to know what Sammy Hagar is, and yet we'll show this picture and picture thing of Sammy Hagar, and then cut him off before he's finished speaking. Uh, And yeah. Like, also, I know where this is going because, yeah, MJF basically saying that, oh, like, you know, if, if it was up to me, we wouldn't have him this match. we know, Jericho, you know, he's our leader and it was his idea. So he's trying to turn everyone against Jericho. But then that means Jericho's going to have to be the face. And I don't want to cheer for Jericho because, like, oh, I, I got tested when I got home from the taping. I was asymptomatic, so I did my a two-week quarantine. Yeah. You got, right after you got home from a massive taping where you were all over the place, in kind the of fucking hotbed of Florida. Who knows how many people you've infected. And like, oh, I, he had fucking he had people who fucking have conspiracy theories and did I COVID on his podcast and then the next week a doctor on telling me about the risk of COVID. And he's like, Oh, I, I give two different sides. I'm like a journalist. I you studied journalism at college. You're as much of a journalist as I am. <laughs> and I don't call myself a journalist. You fucking twat. Like
0: it is good to see that you that more and more people are coming into the light of uh, knowing that uh, Chris Jericho kind of sucks sometimes.
1: Um, I mean, like, oh, he's got COVID. Wow. You think that's maybe because you did that, that concert at Sturgis with no mask and no social distancing, you know, which is hard to have thousands of cases come out of that event alone. You know, I think, who would have thought that would have, you know, backfired on your fucking dad rock ass, like, I remember watching that event on CNN, like, not the concert, obviously, but, like, people going to Sturgis and, like, asking them people about the social distancing and not wearing masks and having these correctly, oh, you know, I don't want, I feel like it's my right not to wear a mask. So I think if I left my civil liberties, being forced to wear a mask, like, COVID doesn't give a fuck about your civil liberties. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean. no offense. I'm not trying to offend you or anything, to me, but, like, there's a reason people have a certain opinion of America. Like not everyone in America is stupid, but the people who are stupid stand out more than stupid people of the rest of the world.
0: Well, the the problem is in America is that the people who are so stupid are like profoundly stupid. There's like more of them than there are smart people, uh, like people with common sense and whatnot. And I mean, there were more people storming the Capitol wearing masks than at that Sturgis show. So goes to show. Um, also, while Scott calms down a little bit, um, because living here in America, I'm used to it, uh, we had John Moxley in action against, uh, I, I'm, for some reason I'm not remembering the guy's name, but he is a big fucking dude. Mm. And yeah. he was impressive.
1: He here. looks like the next evolution of Ortiz, like the Ortiz as, I don't know, uh, Charmeleon and this guy's the Charizard or something like that.
0: Oh, Nick Nick Camerato. Mm-hmm. uh is his name and the story of the match is that Moxley was like I want a match, I want to wrestle somebody and this was the guy who stood up to him. Um and he's a student of QT Marshall and the Nightmare Factory. Uh there was some interesting maneuvers here and eventually Moxley does get the uh he does get the win um after like transitioning into a sleeper hold and like just puts the dude out. It was a very uh very cool uh ending to the match and uh, a good display for this uh this uh, newer talent here who's getting a lot of, a lot of uh, attention for this, and rightly so.
1: Yeah, it was, good him. It was a good opportunity for him on time. I have been other than the fact, not a lot stood out to me about this match. I think it was all about mostly having his pro-master towards to the end of the beach break match. I got an later in the show. I'm still raging about Jericho, and I'm also not a fan of this tag match because it was obvious what way he was going to go. Because, like, proud and powerful I've just been like, they've got to the raw end of this inner our circle deal, I think, because like, you know, since they started like having people pop up on on, on Impact, like, oh, you know, AEW guys come in and start raiding people from Impact and have them come over here for more money, and oh, and more people are going to see them. Oh yeah, when you think about how well that worked out for fucking proud and powerful, went from from being LAX being the top team in Impact to they've not even had a, even that many opportunities of that of a a buddy AEW title. How many AEW title matches have these two had since they came to AEW? One,
0: maybe two.
1: Yeah, maybe? and yeah, was, you know, they were in a five star match. Yeah, well, that was one person's opinion. I didn't even watch that fucking that uh, backstage brawler, parking oh, lot brawl. The, the parking lot
0: brawl was awesome. It was. It was rather. You should seek it out. It was. It was very, very good.
1: so they they've just become buddy the cronies for Chris Jericho since they came and they just come out and stand in Jericho's corner and that's really all they get to do and it's a fucking shame and now MJF and Jericho are probably going to win the tag titles over over them and like I know sometimes a team that's thrown together can work even though it's sometimes overused but like I do a it Oh, we, you know mainstream TV doesn't give you tag team wrestling but we're you the best tag division you've ever seen yeah, we I and Omega who aren't a team hold the belts for six months. and know these two are gonna probably hold the belts. Yeah,
0: I mean I could I can easily see uh, the Bucks having another long reign. And I like I like i said before, long reigns don't do it for me in wrestling because I've seen so many of them, especially the last couple of years. Um but Moxley uh, ends up grabbing the mic, says anything can happen on dynamite, says that yeah, he can't keep track of everything. Who's in the Bullet Club? Who's in the Elite? And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, he still wants to fight Omega, essentially. And then he says, no matter what Kenny Omega does, all, re, uh, all roads lead through him, him being Moxley. Uh, so obviously that uh, is still sort of simmering in the background. I'm not sure. Maybe we don't. Maybe we get it at Revolution. Maybe we get it. Uh, a little further down the line who knows uh but this thing with Kenny is sort of working right now so you gotta uh stick to it um yeah I, I don't know I mean do, do you think we maybe get um Omega and moxley soon or do they push do they like wait make us wait for that or do we not get it maybe whoever beats Omega ends up going up against moxley I think I
1: think they're gonna like I guess I think they're gonna do a, a revolution. revolution seems like a logical Conclusion, uh, that's where the match is going to happen and I, I don't mind it because it's not really that far away they have enough time to build to it and you know, they've got a speech break in between uh, I think if they're going to do that triple like I suggested with Pack involved I don't, I don't, I'm not saying they are but I say we're going to but Pack is in the match if he got to get the, the pin for the team he could use that as his reason to get into the match and then he could create tension between him and Moxley I'm pretty sure didn't they have a match in Dynamite where they went to a 10-minute draw? Because I'm pretty sure they referenced it on commentary at one point. So you could maybe do something like that. Or the Good Brothers, uh, they do have to go up against the Good Brothers to get to Kenny. I think, I think we've got like enough time between now and uh, Revolution to actually build something interesting between Moxley and Omega. You know, fingers crossed, pack.
0: Um, I, I believe that they have pushed Revolution back to the first week of March now or they're talking about pushing it back. So uh, we definitely have plenty of time because they have beach break in the middle of it and all this other stuff. So there's plenty of time to continue building there. And as you said before, there's that six man tag at beach break. So uh, a lot can definitely happen between now and whenever we get the next big Kenny title defense. Um, private party turned heel. Uh, when uh, Colonel Matt Parker, Matt, pa- I'm going to call him Colonel Matt Parker instead of Colonel Matt Hardy. I think, uh, if you guys don't get the reference, look up Elvis and figure it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's ripping off Private Party. Private Party seems to be cool with it, and now they're dicks.
1: So, there's that. Anything to, anything to comment? No, I'm, I'm not against Barry far being a heel with Big Money Matt going back as a, a heel. But, you know, I really wish they'd uh, went around this differently, you know, because that does seem to be the thing they said that AEW didn't like, do stuff on, like, internet content, like being on like, your YouTube channel, because everybody on the other roster teams have their own YouTube channel, where they tell their own stories and then blame you for not watching it, so why you don't get the, the stuff that's happening on TV. Like, Mario in a throwaway last week said, well, you know, I learned that the fans don't care about me uh, when I on September 5th all out. So using that as a motivation for your field, so that would be good if you took better advantage of it, even though it's not technically accurate when actually at least half of Twitter was coming kind at of telling EW why they fucked up in that situation. So they technically were on your side, Matt. But, you know, obviously, he's a heel. You he shouldn't be telling the truth. Uh, well, yeah, also,
0: like, also head trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember what his gimmick is. That's why he comes around and that's why he's like broken, out one week. You know, he's big money, Matt. Uh, yeah, fine, fair enough. Pirate Party seals, you know, they got to do something. Because I actually think they, they aren't as. They haven't been as botchy, for lack of a better term, since they've been with Matt. Because I remember, like earlier in like 2020, like we had they had that like that match at Double or Nothing with uh, best friends. We were talking about how like off their right? party seemed. So I think this is kind of what they need because like they've kind of been living off the fact that they beat the Young Bucks that one time, like long after they should have been doing something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and just while you were talking there, I just, something popped into my head. Like, I think I want to go back and watch revolution again. That, that pay-per-view, that pay-per-view was awesome. It was like the last big, awesome pay-per-view before the world went to shit. So, and it's like a great show too. Like it's not, it's not, it was like, at the time it was like, Oh, this is just a good show. But now like in retrospect, I'm sure it's uh, even cooler. Um, also we had, um, a Surprising contest between uh Cody Rhodes and Peter Avalon. Uh, I think this match went way too long, and I don't understand why Cody was really having to wrestle pretty Peter Avalon. Um, I don't know, it's just it was very strange. Um, I don't, I don't know, also Penelope Ford wrestled uh Layla Hirsch in an okay contest. Um, Miro and his butler, his now butler and young boy, uh, Charles Taylor. Um, is out there, so they got that going uh, until beach break when the wedding happens, so I know there's a lot there to sort of break down, but uh, do you have anything to say about uh, Peter Avalon and Cody Rhodes or the Penelope Ford, Miro, Chucky T, the whole thing?
1: Uh, I'll briefly run through my thoughts on some of the things. Uh, First off, I think it's because apparently Peter Avalon's now won five matches on Dark, so he's no longer the biggest loser. So somehow that means he's competitive with Cody. When, obviously, if he was undefeated, but if he, he hadn't won yet, his match would probably would out like less than Cody Rhodes' entrance, which we all know takes about seven hours. Uh, and also, I didn't realise that that remix of Snoop Dogg was going to be his now full time entrance theme because I keep forgetting that that's a thing. Uh, he had Jake Cargo coming out because they insist on this Cody and Shaq thing for reasons. And and also the Leila Hirsch uh, playoff. I think it was a good match. I like Leila Hirsch. Uh, but I think, again, we're talking about the we said about the AW Women's Division. Uh, the match was even about the two. It was about the fact that Orange Cassidy was in the crowd and Chucky T was there. And what confused me about the stipulation is that always got to be his butler until uh, after a beach break. That's in like two weeks' time. So he's only going to be your butler for three weeks. But Trent's going to be out for another, what, four months after that. So surely you should keep this going. Because what's Chuck going to do? Is he, are he and Orange Cassie going to be a tie team? Is uh, Chuck just going to be a singles guy for a while? Like, it's, where does this actually go? Or is Orange Cassie going to try and ruin the wedding? Maybe. I think it's quite funny, actually. Uh, and also, they do this, uh, this women's tournament thing. It's like women's sale, alumni, basically a non-one contender's tournament. But so, like, one side of the bracket has a US flag, it, the other half is a Japanese flag. And I remember when I seen this, I thought, ah oh, yes. The old America versus another country gimmick. That always puts butts in the seats.
0: Hey, well, you know, it 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 worked once before. Who knows how well it will do this time. Um
1: I'm not from here. I have my own customs. <laughs> Look at my crazy passport. <laughs> Listen to my crazy words. Um
0: and uh, finally, on AW, the thing I wanted to talk about maybe the most was um, not even the match between Hangman Page and the Dark Order versus the Hyper Two and Chaos Project, mostly because Luther is in it, and pfft, fuck, 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 Luther, and I mean, Serpentico. I got your back, Scotty. Got your back. It's I remember, fucking like, Serpentico.
1: I mean, I get why they had this negative one wanted it, and there are there are some like cretins on social media saying, oh, they're really dragging this negative one thing it like. The guy lost his father. Have some compassion, you dick. But I yeah, was let like, the kid
0: pick a fucking match every once in a while, especially because it was his birthday. And he cut a really funny promo with the Dark but, Order too about how his his birthday was like three days ago, and then they're idiots. And he's he like, papers. he threw papers. It's sort of like the boy who would be king, essentially.
1: And, I hope. I hope, I hope it was a case of like he wanted this birthday. I hope it was the of like oh he wanted the Dark Order in a match. Not, oh for my birthday, I really want Serpentico. Otherwise I must question the uh, question the child's point for a birthday, like what did you want? Like, why Pentacle? You could have had anyone for your birthday. You've got you've got John Silver there and you're wasting his time with Serpentico. Yeah, exactly.
0: But more more importantly than that was the will Hangman Page join the Dark Order segment that took place directly after the match. Um this was fantastic. Uh, John John Silver, I love him to fucking pieces. I, he's just so fucking funny. Um he gets down on one knee. He asks if Hangman Page will join the Dark Order and like before Hangman can even get the full I'm sorry I can't out of his mouth, streamers are coming down, cannons ca- confetti cannons are going off. People are coming out. Like marching and and they're getting turned away by Evil Uno and stuff. And then it says he said yes on the screen. It fucking ended me. It just fucking ended me. Um, you got uh hangman just trying to leave and then he grabs the bottle on the way out. So obviously hangman is very confused and he's very hurt and there's a lot of other stuff going on there. But this segment was just I mean, perfection. What I mean, what else can you say about it? Scott, uh Fill me on how
1: you thought about this. I was sad. Like, I wanted Hangman to join the Dark Order. <laughs> so <Sorry, laughs> the fact that John Silver got on one knee to ask Hangman as if he's proposing to him. You've got guys on the uh, members of the Dark Order on the stage on you know, the channel involved. Like, well, come on, do it, do it. And then he says, he can't. And then he I mean, says, he said, just, yes, And also, we see, he said, like, Stu, Grayson, and uh, evil just chasing people away. as they're coming at dad, like, no way, no way. And the fact that he says no, and then goes over, I think Stu Grayson's got like a bottle of Jack Daniels that was, I'm sure was to celebrate, and he takes it anyway. So they're like keeping that aspect of his character going. Uh, it's like, so not only do you not join us, but you took our celebratory booze for when we thought you were going to join us.
0: Yeah, the, the, the change of Hangman Adam Page being like the fun dude you could have a drink with to like, now he has a drinking problem, like, and you sort of have to be sad for him. And like, I get it to a certain extent, but, like, keep it fun. Like, it used to be him fucking surfing on people, like, crowd surfing and fucking being jolly, but now he's all melancholy, like he's in fucking Twilight or something.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but it makes me think, where is he going to go he- from here? Because, like, people are finally behind him, and I think, actually, given that people are really behind the uh, the Dark Order, now, especially given everything that happens, but like, they're already entertaining think segments of, like, Hangman Page just trying to enjoy a drink while members of the Dark Order, like, particularly John Silver, are basically annoying him. Could have been so funny. But, you know, I guess they have a bigger plan for me. I think they could still have... A lot of people are saying that they want Hangman to be the guy to the bill from Kenny and be the guy who kicks out the Long winged angels. You could still do that with the Dark Order.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could do so much with the Dark Order now, and I mean, I'm glad that they're, like, really like trying to sort of like give them as much as possible now that they don't have their leader and there's trying to still like find their footing. And I like that they have like the boy King as like their leader. And they all sort of, just sort of are following that. And I don't know. I like Evil Uno and Stu Grayson as a tag team. I like the Beaver boys. Uh, I like, um, I think it was 10. I it's, it's either 10 or five. One of those. I mean, they're both very good, but I'm like intrigued. Uh, more ten, more about 10. Uh, I like, ten. I
1: like him in the ring. Ten was the one who had uh, Brody Brody Jr. on his shoulders, I think, during the segment. And I think uh, five is like longer hair and more tattoos on his chest.
0: Yeah, like, the Alan
1: have, Angels is. Yeah, because they both started using like white the white mask, so sometimes it can be hard to tell which. Is, but I think obviously is much taller and Alan Angels is shorter with more tattoos. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and one more thing on Dynamite, actually. Uh, I know that was, I said that was the last one, but this is the last one. Uh, Darby Allen and Sting, uh, they're together to, you know, I don't know, uh, Sting's out there to congratulate Darby Allin. Um, you know, Papa, the whole, like, deal is going down, Papa. Um, and then <laughs> Taz and Team Taz are on the, um, the screen, you know, Hook is there, Papa. And, like, they're just... They're up there and they're like, oh, it was unfair. You came out with a fucking bat even though we was cheating. You came out and you was cheating and stuff. And essentially after the show, they or during the show, they announced that Sting and Darby Allin will take on Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in a street fight. Uh, From what I understand, it's going to be cinematic uh, because that's what Sting signed up to do. It was cinematic matches uh, from what I understand. So, that made it actually a little bit better for me that this isn't going to be in the ring or if it is in the ring, it's going to be taped cinematically. Um, and all the weapon stuff. And then you can have Darby Allen do like the dangerous shit and sting could just hit people with bats and chairs and stuff. Um, what do you think of the match and you know, the whole Papa and everybody sort of, uh, like all the stuff that's going on here leading into the match at revolution.
1: I enjoyed their match. Uh, New Year's Pass night too, for what it was, because, and, for, and what it was, was Brian Cage murders Darby Allen to the point of, like, really pushing the limits of how much this guy could take and how much we can invest in him basically getting the shit kicked out of him before he makes a surprise comeback. Even though that spot off there, the, where he does a good fix off the middle rope, was an entertaining finish. But, like, Sting getting involved because, oh, oh, yeah, we're not going to get involved. But then Sting gets involved and he beats up yeah, Ricky Starks with a bat. And, like, as Ross and Cosa, like, they, like, they still, after all these weeks, don't physically go after Sting. Like, and as Rosalind's called all, they like, is Sting going to have to kill a member of Team Taz before one of them hits him? Because they just seem to run away whenever he comes out, even though he's like, 60 years old. Uh, and then you had the segment where he said, Oh, Sting congratulates Star B. Allen. And I had this image in my head of what the thing was going to be like. And in my head, I pictured the car scene from the first Sam Raimi Spider Man film. When Uncle Ben has his last conversation with Peter before he goes away, like, Darby, I'm not your dad. Well, stop pretending to be Sting. And then uh, <laughs> Darby, he looks at Darby with all these all the team Look, with with a great push comes great responsibility, Darby. And then, and then, he, and then Sting is trucking down by Team Taz, and he chases Taz to a warehouse and accidentally pushes Taz out of a window. I
0: want to see your version of this match. 110
1: and, percent and like goes to Tony Connery beats Brian Cage 100 bucks you said 3,000 I said 3,000 for three minutes and you pinned him in two and for that I give you 100 and you're lucky to get that and I thought Matt Hardy was a carny
0: <laughs> Darby <laughs> Allen in Spoopy Man
1: um, I was, I'm gonna write something like this but <laughs> as far as the match goes as far as the match goes I'm kinda of glad it's gonna be cinematic, even though I'm kind of still dreading it. because like if it wasn't cinematic, your only real option is thing gets taken out, ninety percent of the matches, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in a handicap match against Darby Allin thing comes in at the end. But if it's cinematic you've got, you got he's gonna disappear at some point, isn't he? Then appear behind somebody like Degard at the Boneyard match, isn't he? He's gonna do some sort of spooky disappearing thing. I want them to bring back do the different versions of Sting, that'll make this entertaining, like he just appears and pops up his wolf pack sting and then comes back as Joker sting. Well, like have, Darby <sighs> Allen, have Darby Allen have a face being inspired by a different thing? Have Darby Allen dressed as surfer sting. Have him smile if he's capable of doing such a thing.
0: I, I don't I don't even know, man. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, as as we mentioned earlier, um revolution has been pushed back or is being talked about being pushed back. Um, I think it's because it's up against a UFC show. Maybe. I believe.
1: Uh, I actually also have heard. I think mentioned that they're moving from Daily Space Apparently, starting at Beach Break, they're going to go to Miami. Uh, cue the Will the Wolfsmith song. And uh, also something something really entertaining we should mention because I remember that Beach Break is going to be Sandra Rosa versus uh, versus uh, Bert Baker. But Bert Baker had Cody Rhodes on the waiting room Bert Baker was the best I've ever seen because she was just ripping into Cody like we had the, the sparklers when he came in like we better contractual obligations about the pyro and uh, she was there, like who are you feeding with are you feeding with Shaq Dave Cargill are you feeding with are you teaming with Snoop Dogg is Arn Anderson your manager and like Cody remember you don't want to make a big mistake like that one on your neck yeah uh, she
0: was she was great she was absolutely great
1: one, t- one, t- one thing I didn't like about it was Reba's, and I hope it's fake, a laugh. <laughs> like, what is that? It sounds like Goofy smokes 40 a day. Like, if this. <laughs> Who is your acting coach, woman, and how can you get that money back?
0: I just love how Reba, Rebel, whatever the fuck her name is, Rebby, whatever the. I don't know what the fuck her name is. Uh, But I-, I love how, like, shit she is. She's just super camp and shitty, and I love it. Um. The room
1: coming soon. The room starring Luther and Reba, and somehow still worse than the original. <laughs>
0: um,
1: Can you imagine but, how high pitched Luther's voice goes like, he goes, "You're tearing me apart, Reba"?
0: Oh my god! Oh, now that's gonna be just all I see for the next like two days in my head. Oh fucking hell! All right, we're moving away from AEW now. AEW, lots going on over there. Uh, plenty to to look for and uh you know Wednesday Wednesday's coming up and you know what that means. Uh so briefly as we're winding things down here we wanted to uh touch on the dusty uh classic uh Dusty Rhodes tag team classic, excuse me, uh tournament that is going on at NXT right now. The brackets look as such. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, but uh Tony Nice and Davari taking on Desmond Troy and Ashante the Adonis?
1: Nope. No, no. <laughs>
0: No, that happened already?
1: No, it's not. It's going to happen. Today on 205 Live, we're going to This some Friday. Basically, what's going to happen, Jimmy, is uh, Ashanti and Troy got killed by Karrion Cross on NXT, so their new opponents are Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Oh, yes, I did hear about this. Okay. It's happening on 205 Live. I mean, I mean Tommaso Ciampa is £201, but he fits. Thatcher definitely isn't 200, five 5 and when somebody pointed this out, I said, like, well, he still weighs less than Kelly and Dean. and Kelly and Dean got to appear on 205 Live, and uh, also, uh, I can't remember who they're facing, but Indy Hartwell and uh, Candice LeRae's first room match in the Disney Classic is also happening on 205 Live, so and they're making a big deal with that as the first women's match to take place on 205 Live, so I think they're trying to use this tournament to make uh, 205 Live worth watching. And it's it's a
0: Priscilla work. Kelly's new character, Gigi Doran mm-hmm. and her tag team partner, which I'm not nervously scrolling for at the moment at all and trying to kill time for. Um, yes, Gigi, Gigi Dolan and Ca- Cora Jade will take on hey, Candice Lorraine and Indy Hartwell.
1: I had every intention of watching the the uh, last week's five because uh, they had... Uh, like of Video, versus the Bollywood Boys and uh, Kelly and Dean uh, and Kelly and Dean and Creep Mavic versus I can't remember, uh, but I didn't manage to check it before this. But I'm going to watch it, and obviously tomorrow, tonight's one uh, at some point because again they are trying to make 205 live worth checking into, and it's sort of working or you can tell it's not working because I haven't seen it yet.
0: And uh, then, I guess, uh, after that, we have the Undisputed Era takes on the winners of that match that we just talked about, which definitely won't just be the team we know about. Uh, You know, the team that, like, got added last minute and is two singles, guys, because that never happens in the Dusty Classic. Then we have um, MSK versus Killian Dane and Drake Maverick, which I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grizzled Young Veterans are going to take on Leon Ruff and Kushida, uh, which... I maintain, I think, the Grizzly Young Veterans and maybe MSK are in the final, or Undisputed Aaron Grizzly Young Veterans.
1: Undisputed Aaron Grizzly Young Veterans are on the same bracket, so I think they could be the semis, potentially. Okay. But, yeah, I look forward to MSK. My biggest surprise of this was the fact that Lucha House Party beat Imperium. I know, dude, what the fuck? What is that? I think that maybe it's because of like they're going up against legado del Fantasmo. That means they go up against Ligardo del Fantasmo in the second round. But mm. And then also Kurt Stallion comes out who apparently earned a title shot on 205 Live. He's going to fight uh, Santos Escobar next week for the title. Uh, fair enough. All I know is that he was from Evolve and apparently he was trained, question mark, by Matt Riddle or he has some connection to Matt Riddle. But uh, I'm more looking forward to hypothetical matches against Escobar because he put a thing about how he's beaten everybody, and he he came out criticizing other NXT champions. Like he said, like I'm a champion that doesn't have a glass jaw, unlike Finn Balor, and I'm a champion that can make it to my first defense, unlike Karrion Cross, and like Buddy Murphy and Ricochet were tweeting him saying like you haven't beaten us, and like so like I care about that more than Kurt Stallion, and I'm feel bad for it because I'm sure Kurt Stallion's a lovely lad, but I don't know anything about you.
0: Yeah, he's just a uh, blonde white guy number 347 in my opinion
1: he he could be he could easily pass if you wanted to put Matt riddle on a movie you could have this guy as his stunt double potentially but it's not really I get a great compliment that he looks kind of like Matt riddle because he, he make, he's gonna end up getting tired with that brush that buddy Jordan Devlin did for a while that oh he was trained by this person
0: he sort of reminds me of Griff
1: Garrison a little bit who the fuck is Griff Garrison?
0: <laughs> He's in the Varsity Blondes with uh Brian. I know uh, Brian Junior. But no, yeah. I mean you're right. You're right to not know that because like oh, I
1: random like I blonde
0: man 346 it. is fucking Griff Garrison.
1: I like they do the dark order thing from BT, but you're you're within your rights to not know that because you don't have a free minute to watch every bit of AEW related content every day.
0: I don't have a free minute to do much of anything these days. You know, being being a hero. And like an essential person in oh, these times is hard. Oh, <laughs> I yourself. had to, I had to bring it up once. Um, and also being on, you know, being in the wrestling and the whatnot and all of the DIY stuff I'm doing around here is uh, keeping me from doing the thing I love most, which is watch wrestling and veg out and drink. Um, but uh, so th- that's the way that the, the Dusty Tag Classic is looking. Do you have any idea who might win? Uh, maybe like a dark horse and who you think might actually take it, or is it sort of more cut and dry for you?
1: I think it's very interesting that we talked about it after Take they One, or actually it was War Games, that perhaps and Ciampa could end up in the Dusty Classic, and there they have. So, you oh, know.
0: good on us. Good on us. We did
1: it. Triple H is listening to this podcast, and uh, we should be careful how we, we pat ourselves in the back because we put Nathan in a Hall of Fame for such a prediction. Uh, but I think they're a dark course. I think it'll be telling between MSK and uh, Kelly and Dean. I think whoever wins uh, their match goes to the finals from that side of the bracket and has a strong chance of winning. And I think whoever wins it of that match will end up facing uh, uh, Grizzle Jung Vets in the final. And as far as the women's match goes, I think I kind of hope it's uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Toko Kai. Kind of has to be, in my opinion. We've only had one match so far in the tournament. I think it was Caden uh, Carter and uh, Casey Catanzaro defeated Tony Storm and uh, Mercedes Martinez after Martinez got attacked by Io Shirai. So, and then Tony Storm apparently got in a scuffle with Io Shirai backstage. So maybe Shirai, both Storm and uh, Martinez are going to challenge Io take takeover. I'd, I'd be down for that. Because Tony totally something to do because other than to, uh, other than really turning heel and joining that War games team, what has she done since she came back at takeover thirty one?
0: Practically nothing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, practically nothing. Um, but you know that is the the tournament breakdown thus far. Uh, the action will continue once again on Wednesday. Um, but I think that's going to pretty much do it for us here on the Grapple Update. Thank you so much for joining us here again, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Uh, uh, I'm... I, I did watch one other bit of wrestling uh, this past week. And, oh, uh, to my surprise, it wasn't terrible. Okay. Uh there was some some place out in New Jersey, they had this guy on who was who shouted a lot. he was very off putting. I was there, so he made a nice change. Uh, oh, okay. Was a what was also promotion called uh, oh,
0: oh yeah, For, Pro Wrestling I... Magic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all kidding aside, I, I really enjoyed uh, Kingdom Come. By the way.
0: Thank you. I was actually very uh, concerned for a little while because of uh, my vitriol for one Mr. Uh, Meadowlands monster uh, that got the best of me during that tag team, uh, that uh, that title match that happened on Kingdom Come. But if you guys want to check out that show, we have the Dark Arts Championship tournament. Uh, what did you think of uh, Darius Carter, Everett Cross, uh, Asriel, uh, TJ Crawford?
1: Oh, I really enjoyed the TJ the Crawford tournament. Uh... Darius Carter match. I really enjoyed the I've seen of Darius Carter. I do remember one of the episodes of Monday Morning Magic from what feels like forever ago. There was a promo he cut uh, that I really enjoyed. I, it was the first thing I'd ever seen of him, but immediately he caught my attention from his like style of delivery. Uh, so I really enjoyed seeing him. I clearly don't love Eric Cross as much as you clearly do, listening to your commentary. I mean,
0: he took me in, okay, and he showed me... The light that exists in the church of drivers. Okay, that's all that. That's all that it is. But we're not going to get too much into that. Um,
1: ladies but, gentlemen England. Uh, when you find this podcast on Spotify, there will be a link to follow to a just giving pay to give Jimmy uh, the necessary necessary surgery. He needs to have his lips surgically removed from Everett Cross's eye. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa! I, I do not appreciate that at all. <laughs> I, I do not appreciate that in the least. He, the, the, the man's got a great Puerto Rican ass. It's just, why would you like me to remove it anyway? Um, but no, uh, spoilers. If you are, are going to check it out, Darius Carter, uh, did come away as the brand new dark arts champion beat. Uh, and the only reason I do spoil that and bring that up is because last night on the open mic night wrestling, uh, Twitch podcast that, uh, our referee DM Stevens hosts, uh, over on Twitch every week, uh, go check that out on open mic wrestling That's Wrestling Without the G over on Twitter. And go check uh, out his stuff as well. But he had Darius Carter on because Darius Carter wanted to announce a set of new rules that uh, the Dark Arts Division will now have to adhere to, starting with his first defense at our next show, where all the rules remain the same in the Dark Arts Division. uh, Closed fist punches to the head are still legal. You get one rope break per match, and uh, countouts aren't a thing. But now Darius Carter has included what I'm calling the Carter Clause, uh, which is um, they will be five three-minute rounds uh, totaling in 15 minutes. Uh, these are very similar to the British rounds uh, rules. Um, all this, the other rules still apply, and if you don't beat the champion in those 15 minutes, it is not declared a draw. Darius retains his title. Um, five, th- uh, five three-minute rounds and 15 seconds in between each round uh, as a stopgap uh, point. So you got to use your time wisely, as I said on Twitter. If you aim at the king, you better not miss. Um, so that that is another interesting wrinkle to the situation. And of course, I was joined by Ace Romero on commentary and Mr. Anthony Iovino, who is the head of board of investors for Pro Wrestling Magic. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the kingdom at the moment, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, man.
1: I really did. You know, I thought okay. Well, I don't can't remember the title of it, but I did look it up after the show there. Uh, The theme song that Ace Romero came out to during the show was an absolute tune. And I I got a good chuckle out of the referee dancing uh, to the song just unapologetically. uh, And I looked up the song up on YouTube afterwards. Uh, I even missed you during the show when I was at that point in the show saying, is it weird that my favorite person so far on the show is the referee?
0: Nick Shin does do that to people. uh, Mm -hmm. Because you might be great. You might be be really great. But you ain't Shin. and if he hears that, he, he's going to love me for that. So, um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, please go check out uh, Per Wrestling Magic on Fight TV or at Wrestling Magic on the Twitter. Uh, but, Scott, before I give the rest of all my plugs, why don't you tell everybody what you got going on here on the interwebs?
1: Well, uh, you can find out my upcoming uh, versions of The Room and Sam and me Spider-Man uh, coming up. He's soon to be launched, Rogue Opinions Productions, uh, trademark. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know we'll uh, it's gonna be hard to get funding, you know, with current times, but you know, we'll we'll get those out. Give the people what they want. Writing will begin immediately. But <laughs> other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Scott nineteen ninety six. Uh find uh, the other my other podcast, Scott and Paul's round Podcast at SPL you can see our previous impact related reviews. Uh we and Paul go very deep dive into what impact's been up to recently. Uh we've got a lot we our next episodes to come out next week. We have a our next few episodes of Frasier. Uh, the week following that we're doing In Your House six, uh, the final years before WrestleMania twelve. And at some point we're going to cover uh, WrestleMania twelve as part of our From the Vault series, and also we're going to do a, a episode regarding Impact. But again, a couple of weeks we're going to wait until closer to uh, No Surrender to get a full picture of where where the Impact Wrestling storylines are coming to. Like coming out of Hard to Kill to have more of a filler review of what's going on because Paul from is a fan of Hard to Kill but not a fan of the post uh, Hard to Kill Impact so I'll be interested to get his thoughts on that obviously Rogue Retro have review here on Rogue Opinions uh, I had James Wilford from uh, the Undisputed Wrestling podcast uh, uh, on Ooh. the next couple of episodes uh, the Undisputed uh, him. one of the guys who made us watch uh, Mabel get crowned king where we drunkenly just talked about vegetarianism and other such things.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did do that.
1: that was a fantastic. Uh, yeah, that, that's still working along. We'll get, get new co hosts uh, on soon. I may be getting a couple of returning uh, guests for No Way Out in a couple of weeks' time, so stay tuned for that. Uh, on Eat Deep Suplex Retreat at Retreat, uh, on Retreat, I will defend my quiz showdown championship as the only ever two time. Quiz Showdown Champion uh, coming soon. Uh, uh, Quiz Showdown 7 Royal Rumble Edition. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a time. People get eliminated after each round. It's going to be an interesting time. Uh, East meets West, to Draft fly, Those are some of the shows I host over there. Our brother's retro review show. I'm going to be joining him on that. It's finally coming back. Now he's got his fucking finger at his arse. And he's, he's basically reviewing every pay-per-view from start of 2000 to the end of 2009. And me and him are going to could do fully loaded 2000 uh some point very soon and i think i plugged myself silly so i want to give me for everything he's got going on
0: oh well yeah as scott said join us uh over at rogue underscore opinion uh make sure to check out his other podcasts and his other projects as well uh as i said earlier go to at wrestling magic Uh, For all of your pro wrestling magic needs, youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling magic. Make sure to go check out the shows that we have on fight. I believe it's up to two now where we have card subject to change and kingdom come five kingdom come five. Think of it as our WrestleMania. It's the biggest show of our calendar year and a lot of goings on are happening in the kingdom. As we speak, a lot of things are breaking down. A lot of things are building up a whole lot of things going on in the kingdom. So please go and check us out over there. I am at Mr. Riot on Twitter. That's M R R I zero T. Looking at you, Matt Stryker. Pick up your boy. Pick up your boy. No disrespect to D'Lo, but I can really round out that three-man booth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and yeah, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with uh, with us through all of this. And um, just so it has to be the end of the podcast, I think we're gonna have Ace Romero's music play us out, ladies and gentlemen. And while you jam to that, I have, in the immortal words of Yaka Warner, "Good night, everybody." Josie's on a vacation far away Cover